This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. It's fantastic to see everybody, hear everybody, sense everybody. you You can see them? Yes. Oh God! Yeah, like all of them, most of them. Oh man, mostly. You don't you don't get stage fright? Like, nope, I'm well, over it. Well, I'm not gonna say how many people listen to this. Uh huh. That, that you can see right all now. All ten of them, uh-huh. and I can see everyone. And to- well, you, you need to stop what you're doing right now. Uh huh. Need to stop. You need to stop what you're doing. Put your hands on the table. Because I'm about to ruin. Where Hand we check. can see them. Uh huh. Alex Navarro, how are yes. you? I see you. I see you too. Thank I, you very I can, much. I'm looking, looking right at you. He's buddy. staring right at me. Uh, can't can't escape the gaze, the no. Navarro gaze. It's paralyzing. Brad Shoemaker, mm-hmm. how are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. Good. Hello. I um speaking of seeing things, we're gonna get into our banter here in just a second. I'm gonna run down the show because we've got a lot to get to, and we um, we're gonna probably keep it tight. Slow and tight at the top here because we're going to get to Hi Fi Rush season 
a letter to the future. Dead Space, that remake. Hitman, the world's, you know what it is. Freelancer mode. Forspoken, Goldeneye, and some others, including a Like a Dragon Ishin. Maybe a little surprise in there if you like uh, if you like mobile games ported to your Xbox. Mm. Uh, we'll mm. get into that. But before we do, let me say this. I had my moment finally. I've been waiting for it. All your life. Almost two decades, which is not almost all my life, uh, unfortunately or fortunately. Uh, but... Thank you. I've been waiting for this moment all your life. Come on, it's Phil Collins. Let's let's, let's just... Yeah, Yeah, I got it. Okay, okay. Um, I finally had my moment where I had a computer screen just churning through data in a way you just don't see unless you're in a movie and some hackers going through it. Just generating... Ooh. generating data in a way and i was waiting for it to stop so it's just doing one of those things which is like just all this data on the screen unfortunately it didn't lead to anything productive but i definitely had a moment where i was like oh i see a woman in red you know mm-hmm. i've been waiting for this data all my life oh boy I've said it many times. I live for the moment when you set up a big job on a computer and press the button and watch it. Yes. Like just watching like compiling software or something and just watching it fly by. It was spitting out chunks from uh, a a ramble cast in four bit chunks at a time looking for the chunk to match (laughs) the Q chunk I needed to match it up to. So it's just basically hex code just like kind of just dropping down on the screen like and i was had it stop when it matched the 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 part to it but i'll tell you what those files are really big and Ooh. so eventually i just went and i recorded a one second podcast with one marker in it and then it wasn't as fun but i'll tell you what man i don't even see the code anymore yeah. all i see is food story uh-huh. story about Vinny's son uh-huh. alex has a problem with his upstairs neighbor <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, what's the deal with AI and uh, ever ever loving sitcoms? Oh, dude! So I sh- did you did you watch any of this? I did. I said you said watch this, and so I watched it. This there is this thing that I am now vaguely obsessed with, uh, and I'm sure that will be short lived because at a certain point it does start to repeat itself a little bit. But there is this thing on Twitch now uh, called Watch Me Forever. It is just twitch.com slash uh, or twitch.tv slash Watch Me Forever. And it is an AI-generated sitcom that never ends. It it's basically is, Seinfeld. It's basically, it is basically Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah, it is the four. It is four characters who are very much modeled after Seinfeld characters. There is an interstitial bit where the main character is doing stand-up. There are a bunch of apartment scenes where they are talking about whatever, like literally nothing. Oh, and man. then every once in a while, it cuts to a TV guide channel with auto-generated TV shows you could be watching. I've I've only watched pre-saved clips of this thing so far. I just pulled up the live channel for the first time. This thing's doing very well. It's got like forty five hundred viewers. There was like eleven hundred last night. It is picking up steam. It um, it is it is Seinfeld by way of uh, obviously AI and maybe like PlayStation One slash Comanche. It's pretty pretty ch- chewy graphics. It's you know it's all computer generated. It's very very low poly. Yeah. Um. It's it's grungy in a way I kind of like, but it's kind of fascinating, terrifying, and it is extremely dumb. 
it it feels like it is at the very least in the spirit of something like a salty bet or <laughs> a uh, you know like the uh, the the wrestling machinima stuff I used to watch where there is an audience there that is as much for the ways it wigs out as it is for the actual content of what is going on. Oh yeah, you're watching for the car crashes. Yeah, and there are a lot of like animation car crashes and jokes that just don't even have punchlines, laugh tracks that appear where they should not. Yeah. But that's kind of the joy of it is in sifting through all of that and trying to figure out like where the comedy is supposed to be. It's probably the most sitcom TV I've watched in in a while. Yeah. You know, and you know, I only watched about 10 minutes of it, but yeah, I it's, I I, un- I understand that AI stuff is incredibly fraught these days, especially with the AI generated art stuff, and I totally get people's uh trepidation around that stuff. I have it too. But if AI stuff, like, like if G- GPT was being used for more just weirdo experiments that aren't intended to replace thing, like actual man labor, and instead mm-hmm. are just like, here is this weird thing this, this computer brain is spitting out, I would be way more behind it. Like, this is the kind of thing I want more of. Um, I, I will say this much, I am very much prepared for the, the revelation that this technology is being used to teach AI how to tell jokes so that when those robot dogs approach you, you're disarmed before they shoot you. I could see it. I'm sure that's there. I'm just kind of trying to come up with the worst case scenario, and that's what I've come to so far. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Um, Do not let a robot dog approach you. That is and my don't let it don't let it get to the punchline. What about and, a robot cat? Uh, no, definitely not a robot no? cat. No. I don't know, that robot cat seems pretty friendly. They're more climby than the other ones. <laughs> they can get to you. You know, I was I, I was talking to you guys about this before the show, and people who know about the black box AI stuff more than I do can help me out. But I was wondering if like stuff like Midjourney and some of those art generators could track sources when it when it compiles an image to give you spit you out an XML or a list of references that it used in generating a new image. And I wonder if that would help at all with trying to um, source from where it's getting all of its material from. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, transparency would be nice, Mm -hmm. you know, in some of that stuff. I feel like that's some of the issue I have with those things. I think some of that lack of transparency is very much by design. It's a liability nightmare, but, uh, I'm just saying I would like, I would like to know what artist is being scraped up. Yes. I think, I mean, the thing they're doing now is just saying here is the data set this was trained on and we absolutely do have an index of, but it's so, I mean, how do you, how do you even parse that? Um, I'm fi- I, I, 50 terabytes I mean, of, uh, of data. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is based on watching people on Twitter, artists on Twitter talking about that class action lawsuit that's brewing, but it basically, there was like, there was some method for people to very easily be able to reference their work against the, the data set and yeah. just see if any of their images were used oh, in the giant, that? in the giant mass of images that the thing was trained on. Is it, can you use like a reverse lookup or was it tin eye and just kind of go against the data set? I mean, listen, I don't, I don't know all that much about it. I've tried to do some homework on it and yeah, I am, um, I've used it to do some goofy stuff as well. I like, I like making the computer do dumb things. Yes. But But also at what cost? At what cost? I don't know. Nobody, nobody knows for real. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to somebody who's a teacher and they were, uh, basically that's all they were talking about at, at a conference recently was. Well, do we use? Do we then use this to help 
find the stuff that is used by this? And it was like this. He said by the time he was done, he never wanted to hear about chat GPT again. I think that's fair. Like just spiraling weird. Like, do you use do you use this technology to help find people who have used this technology? And it was like this snake eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot to talk about. Should we jump into it? We should. We should before we're put out of a job. Yeah. Like I said, make a Damn, make a podcast I'm, that uh, it's just two people talking to each other. I tried to give you an escape. I threw out that robot cat thing. Uh huh. Nobody took the bait. Uh, how about that this? Was, that was your out. What if you had a robot cat that could keep the beats? Oh yeah, we're there we go. Now okay. we're talking. Um, we got a surprise drop. Always the most fun drops. And speaking of drops, uh, there's, you know, there's your second segue. Um. Yes. Just gonna keep just gonna keep saying it. The surprise announcement slash release remains the best flex <laughs> that a developer can do when also, the game is good. Well, yeah. I, even if it's not, even if it's not, mm. I'm gonna say making a whole ass video game, getting it to market with all of the hurdles and roadblocks that entails, without anybody knowing about it, even if the game is not great, still a feat unto itself. It but, is a feat. I just feel like a lot of the air gets sucked out when it's like, oh. Now I've learned about this and I wish yeah. I hadn't. Yeah. Sure. Or, or if it's just okay. You know, it's, yes. like, yeah, it's like, okay, it's cool that they did that. And then I tried the game and it was like, okay, whatever. But, but Hi-Fi Rush. That's not, that's not Hi-Fi Rush. Rush. It's Hi-Fi good. Rush. That's, it's that's, good. That, yeah. That's, that's not the case here. Also, boy, that podcast last week <laughs> sounded <laughs> dumb by the time it went up. Nah, we nailed it. Going like, oh, this name Hi-Fi Rush seems to have leaked. That might be a thing they're going to talk about. And then by the time that podcast was up, people had played halfway through the game. <laughs> We did manage to get at least knowledge of the the fact that it was in fact being announced at the thing. We and did Tango the, game works. the Tango thing yeah. was it was yeah. actually there, but yeah. that's all we got. So Hi-Fi Rush kind of a uh, dropped and announced during the Xbox Bethesda uh, showcase last week. The developer direct. The develop is that what, oh yeah is that what it is underscore direct. Yes. Um, I've straight up seen people like mad that they use the term direct because <laughs> of Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a like, little. I, mean, I, I listen. I, I get it. Maybe it's a little opportunistic, but I don't think they have a trademark on the word direct or anything. No, they do not. Uh, it's uh, it's on Game Pass. It's thirty bucks if you want to get down with it there. So obviously on the Xbox, and there's a PC version for it. It's um, it's a rhythm game where it's a, it's a rhythm action game. It's a rhythm mm-hmm. character action game. It yeah. is a straight up well. I normally I would say it's a straight up XXY game, except do you get more combos later? Because in the in the combo list, I, there is no, you know, the classic square, square, triangle, God of War combo. You do get more combos as okay. you go along. OK, I'm not super far into it, but when you start the game, there is no there is no light, light, heavy combo, which is the hallmark of those games. Which I well, yeah, kind of so- funny. So the thing with this is that, yes, it is primarily just X, Y as your, your attack buttons, but the way that the combos are structured very much involve like, hey, you leave a beat here because mm-hmm. there's a strong attack. Because again, everything in this game is on a beat. It is a rhythm action game. And so when you are chaining together your attacks, there's an extra beat when you do a heavy attack versus when you do a light one. And so like the combos also involve like little pauses, rests in the music. Uh, in addition to the actual just combo system. It it feels like such a natural fit for a rhythm mashup that I'm kind of shocked nobody's gotten to it yet. I mean, there, yeah. there may be another one out there, but like, you know, the, the first-person shooters have been doing it with like Metal Hellsinger and, and Bullets Per Minute. Um, 
There was I a think this feels better than Metal Hellsinger the, did. There was a rhythm dungeon crawler whose name escapes me that came out last year. Like other people, I mean, other genres have been getting mashed up with rhythm stuff, but like yeah. character action is just so inherently rhythmic already because you're timing out those button taps to do combos anyway. Like it just, it feels so natural to slide that in there. It's kind of awesome. And they're not doing anything really wild. Like it, these are all pretty straightforward, like four, four rock beats. So like you just kind of have to nail the timing. You don't have to worry about like, you know, thumper style, like trying to figure out like the time signature of something. It's it's pretty straightforward, but there is a little bit of nuance to it. I, it, it it's, it's been leading to a weird situation for me where I keep wanting to wait for a new measure to start before I start a combo. Like it feels mm-hmm. weird to crash in halfway through. So the bar. I, I think this game uh, on the mechanics of it does do something interesting, which is it's not it's not necessarily penalizing you for missing the beat. It is only rewarding you for hitting the beat. Yes. Yeah, e- everything kind of is on the rhythm anyway. And the closer you are to hitting it, the 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 more uh, um, combo meter you build up and the better you do, but you're gonna the more damage you do. Yeah, the character's gonna hit that other character on the rhythm beat anyway. Because the neat thing is they commit to the bit. Yes, they, this entire world and everything in it is syncopated. Is just on that four four beat. Um, you're even to the characters run animation, which is kind of awesome. Like this, this game has that style thing that we have talked about uh going on it's very reminiscent to me of an into the spider-verse in terms of its uh animation and production value this is like the best cell shading i have ever seen in a game like it's crazy like you kind of can't tell you're looking at a video game the cell shading the cell shading is really good but also the animation like the timing of like the the sight gags and pratfalls and stuff is all really well done and actually pretty funny and the camera angles and like the direction of of it thing that has shocked me the most about it coming in here to talk about it is not that it works mechanically but it, that it's like it almost feels like it's likable against the odds totally. in some ways like something about like you know i mean the soundtrack and the just the attitude like the i feel like in a like gladys and claptrap world like sardonic robots like a lot of stuff in this could have been done poorly and been grating but like everything about it is just super charming the bosses are good too, like the weird corporate people that they they put you up against. Like those could have been like just really boring generic caricatures of bad bosses, but like they actually have some fun with it. Yeah, and your main character Chai is relentlessly positive, but in a way that isn't cloying. It, in it's, ki- but in kind of just like a blithering, goofy way, yeah. as opposed it's, to like an I'm an annoying asshole yeah, kind of way. You call him a himbo. It's okay. Yeah, he is one totally. <laughs> but it's it's kind of fun because. It's it, the game is pretty self aware in that in that sense, and it's not it's not necessarily earnest, but it's committing to the bit. It, it is it is aware. It, it's not just tr- kind of fun loving. It's you not know? trying to make you feel good. It's just that this chai is just kind of doofy. Yeah, uh, and chai, chai got his iPod smashed into his chest. And like a he's robotic. Tony Star- he's the Tony Stark of two thousand two <laughs> te- music technology. And. And it's just like kind of cool with that, all right with that, and just is like, yeah, yeah whatever, all right, I guess we're moving I, this on. This is not even, I, I've said this before, and this is not even really a beef with the game. I don't have much of one, really, honestly, and especially, I, I like a lot of these bands. It is still very funny to me that this soundtrack is entirely made up of stuff that, like, your cool uncle might have listened to back in 2003, you know, like, it's, 
it's Zwan, it's the Prodigy, it's two Nine Inch Nails songs, <laughs> like. And I, I understand people listen to music from all different eras, but it really seems compacted to a very particular period when the people who made this game were listening to a lot of music, and that was about 15, 20 years ago. My my only beef so far with it, and it's it's mitigated by the production value of it, is it's a little samesy for me. Like the mm-hmm. uh, platforming, and then the arena battles, and then the kind of platforming... It, you get more moves, you get the grappling hook, you get to do more stuff. It, it kind of fleshes out as you go. And like I said, the production value and the pace of it kind of mitigate a lot of that because it does keep moving. But you do just wind up platforming a bit and then getting in an enclosed arena yes. uh, to, to fight some baddies and then uh, kind of move on from there. I'm thinking about starting it over on very hard. Hmm. Because it is a game that emphasizes mastering its mechanics so much that, and yes, I have the same concern. I'm not as, I'm, I'm surely not as far in as you are, but I had the same concern you did of like, oh, you know, these games had their time in the PS2 era, like character action, even when there's a lot of bombast going on around it. Like, it's just kind of the same thing with maybe some more combos for 15 hours. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe if I made it like super hard. So I have to get really good at the timing of the rhythm stuff. It'll be more like mechanically interesting the whole way through. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm that, that is an experiment that may not go well. We'll see. But. They do add things like parries and other, other aspects to the combat as time kind of goes along. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously you gain new combos and special abilities and stuff. I mean, the whole thing feels like, and I, I don't mean this in a derisive way whatsoever. This feels like a really good PS2 slash GameCube game from like, the early 2000s sure yeah like totally. like high fidelity version of that yeah. yeah this came out with beautiful joe somehow yes it, it's it, one of the capcom five absolutely <laughs> it's the missing one right yeah they finally got it out there it's uh it it's, is shinji mikami you know i mean it's it, it does have that pedigree uh yeah kid, like i'm i'm just glad I'm, I'm just happy for tango gameworks to get a win i mean the evil within weren't they don't, losses they just were, didn't do that well like two people like two a good bit i yes. did not care for the first evil within much at all Two definitely has its defenders. I'm like, I didn't think Ghostwire Tokyo was terrible. They don't make bad games, but they haven't had anything that has just been a resounding oh my success. God, I, the way I that forgot, this thing. I forgot Ghostwire was a Tango game. That's <laughs> right. right. It's not even a year ago. Yeah. Um. But nothing, nothing they've put out has hit like this because this thing no. just took off like a rocket ship. Like people are like, I've seen a surprising number of people go like, "Wow, they just dropped the game of the game of the year." I don't know where. I mean, like, putting I, it on not... Game Pass also probably is helping their cause as well yeah. because that just gives everyone who has that service an instant access to it. Yeah, but apparently, I read it's apparently it's selling super well on Steam as well. So it's, good. It's like it's kind of hitting across the board. It's it's kind of awesome to see something just come out of nowhere and catch on like this with this many people. We don't. We uh, there's not a lot of games with this kind of vibe that hit mainstream. It's more in the indie space with just a really positive that Jet Set Radio kind of vibe. That's just like yes. like kind of you turn it on, you're happy, and you just you just go. Well, it's yeah, it's like you said. It, the thing is, it's more that just major studios don't make games like this they anymore. Don't, yeah, smaller really. studios do, but like yeah. the the big AAA studios are not invested in this kind of game, generally speaking. But the one thing I think we are, we're starting to learn is that if you are at one of these studios that got bought by Microsoft and you have something germinating in the background, they'll throw that shit on Game Pass and it'll probably <laughs> yeah. do okay. Yeah, like we've yeah. talked about it before. This is a thousand percent the type of shit that Microsoft just needs to be funding constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like this is the Netflix thing, right? Of we just dropped a season of a show you've never heard of on a Friday night and everybody's watching it by Monday morning because it rules, right? Yes. Like this, like they've got like Pentiment and Yeah, yes. Yes, they've got grounded. extremely extremely deep pockets and a nice big stable of development talent and they should just be doing experiments constantly. But but I could not think of, you know, this Friday, the Friday past out of the games I was playing, the whiplash from, like, you know, hmm. uh, Forspoken to this is severe. Like, the, the tone, tonal difference, the, the vibes color. difference. Holy yeah. shit, man. Um, even, even Dead Space. Uh, this probably has more in common with Hit- Hitman, just in terms of, like, the, you know, the vibe I get. But, yeah, it's just, it's just refreshing. It's, it's a kind of a refreshing game. Nothing quite like it. With all these pieces and production value, uh, like it out there in the space, so I'm, I'm gl- glad for them. And it doesn't hurt that it just kind of dropped without any lead up, like, d- yeah. it, and it worked, you know, because we didn't this, have we didn't have months to be disappointed or uh, build no, up anything. This this might now be the gold standard for. I, I'm sorry, I refuse to use the term shadow drop. <laughs> I'm coining my own competing term for whatever this phenomenon is. Anyway. Uh, I think this is probably the gold standard of those, right? I'm trying to think of it. Well, hmm. Actually, I just remembered Tetris 99. And now it's a hard, that's a hard call. Like yeah. in, the, in the pantheon of games that have been announced during a live stream from a publisher and then released on the spot. It's this and Tetris 99. You guys have a better memory than I do, but wasn't one? Of, didn't one of the consoles release at a, at price announcement? Uh, the Saturn. Saturn. Yeah. Saturn. Right. The Saturn famously came out on the spot at E3 for way too much money and basically tanked. Sa- <laughs> I mean, that's okay. That's a little harsh, but like it was kind of the beginning of the end of Sega as a hardware company. I think we can all agree it did not go according to plan. <laughs> no. Um, Fallout Shelter. Oh yeah, I'm trying uh, to think. There have not been a, there are not a ton of examples of this happening. And hang it's on, awesome. I think there's a giant bomb wiki for this sort of thing. I, is there? I think I, I feel like I've looked for that page, and maybe couldn't find. The, I think actually, I think there is. I don't know what the. I think I saw Marino tweeting about it. You're right. Like, you're just right. Just the other day, saying they added some games because some people came up with some. I, I think you're right. He did make that wiki page, and I think I may have also tweeted at him in the past about it. <laughs> um, trying to find the page now. But Hi-Fi Rush, very positive. It's, my my kids yeah. love it. They they even said the graphics look awesome in it. Um, and so they're pretty harsh critics graphically these days. Uh, they they can call it. So it's, it's it, the game feels like I started to say miraculous, which is way too hyperbolic for what I'm trying to get at. Like improbable, maybe is the right word of just like for them to walk the high wire of getting this thing out without anybody knowing about it, other mm-hmm. than the name getting out. And then for every element of it to be as good as it is and like not really with on any one aspect, visuals, the attitude and writing, the mechanics, it's just, yeah. like, it's just kind of firing on all cylinders. Like it's kind of amazing that this thing just came together as, as like tightly as it did. Okay. I have way. the complete list in front of me. What is, right. what is that page called? I need to know. Uh, it is called announced and released on the same day. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that That's my turn. <laughs> that's the one I'm going with. Okay. Uh, the games on this list include Act Razor Renaissance. Oh, oh God, right. Apex Legends. Oh, okay, um, that's a big one. Well, yeah, it, that one's tough for me because I went to that event and had it sprung on us in that auditorium where we yeah. went to play it. So I knew about it before it came out. But yes, that is absolutely maybe the best one now that I think Can- about it. Candy Creeps? <laughs> I don't know. Castlevania Advance Collection? 
Okay. Dirt Rally, the early access. Drainus. I'm sorry. Drainus. I'm sorry. Drainus. Sorry, don't, don't keep sorry, saying no, that. We're out. We're out. I got to run to the Smart Final and grab another bottle of Drainus. Entwined. Oh, that sounds familiar. Fallout Shelter, which we mentioned. Good job. Oh, right. yeah. That game's yes. good. That oh, game's good job's good. great. Yeah. Good job is great. Hi-Fi Rush. Mm. NES Remix. Man, yeah. Okay. The NES Remix is also great. Shady Part of Me. <laughs> okay. Stretch Mo. Oh, Stretch Mo. You're no Push Mo. <laughs> Super Kirby Clash. Okay. Tetris 99. Uh, and Unravel 2. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's right. I'm, yeah, okay. I'm going to say... Hi-Fi Rush. Definitely up there. Yeah. Apex, Hi-Fi Rush, and Tetris 99 are the standouts. They're that's what I would say as well. Kind of an honorable mention to NES Remix. And, and so I'm going to... I, I want to clarify here because while I really like Hi-Fi Rush, I'm going to say I'm probably much more impressed with it than I love it. Like, I okay. think it's a great yeah. game. Well, I, I like, sure. I, I like, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be like on my top 10 as the number one game or whatever, but I'm very impressed with it. Plus there's been no lead up. So that's very impressive to me. I'm just uh, having a lot more fun with it than I was expecting to. Yeah, and I yeah, think it exactly. is, I think it is really tightly made, which I, I greatly appreciate. I don't, I don't want to overblow. Like, do I critically think like if I were to score this game, I'm not sure what I would give it. I'm not like, Oh, automatic five, but I'm just very impressed with what they put out. I'm going to say yeah. four out of five. Okay, there you go. Nailed it. Uh, uh, fans of the genre. Mm-hmm. Hi-Fi Rush, available now for $30, also on Game Pass, if you subscribe to that Game Pass. Let's take a quick break here. We've got plenty of more games to go. We're going to come back, talk about Season, A Letter to the Future, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. We had a big release week last week and this week. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything. To find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And now we take a slightly less frenetic tonal shift from hi-fi rush to season 
a letter to the future, a game I have played at this point, not too much of a couple of hours in. Not yeah, that's about where I am too. A couple hours. I, okay. As someone with a terrible memory. Yes. There's actually something haunting about this game that, that yeah. kind of affects me in a way that the setup for this game. And I don't know if this winds up playing out or not, but the initial setup is you're in some kind of land, weird earth like place. I don't know what time frame this is. I would be, say this is in the very distant future. If could, I had to guess it's, it's like kind of hard to tell. It's um, it's not sci-fi. It's very, it, it's one of those could be in the distant future, but also um, kind of looks like the past. I mean, having played Pentiment, uh, mm-hmm. very recently, it has very much the vibe of society that has formed in the bones of a lost civilization. It does have that vibe. Yeah. Uh, there is like a prophecy that the season, quote unquote, which it sounds to me, just read that as in this game's parlance, the era they are uh-huh. in, uh, is going to t- come to a close. You have taken it upon yourself to kind of chronicle this current season, this current era. And leave your village, of which no one has left before that you know of, or at least the, not the in, generation not in, before. In, in generational memory. Yeah. Um, and so your mom, your dad's kind of out of the picture, uh, having been missing. Um, your mom, in the very initial parts of the game, and this is this is part of the weirdness of it, puts basically memories into a pot that distill down into a crystal that you then are supposed to wear around your neck. This is kind of what I love too. To stop, what is it? Memory overload. It's, it's like, well, there's the there's the dreaming sickness, which is yeah. kind of I think its own thing. But yes, there is an idea that it's a protective uh, talisman that you wear around your neck that is designed to keep to use your memories to protect you while you are out in the world. Because I guess in the village, most of the things that befall people who are out in the world can't really happen there or don't. But when you're out there, like there's nothing protecting you, so it's designed to keep you safe. And and so, some of what I've gotten so far of in this world in the initial parts are something. Th- there was a war. That's that's pretty clear. There was a war somewhere. There's a war that they have no idea how it ended. Yeah, because but, they were so far removed from it. But also, there's this like affliction where, from the very bits, I, little bits I can pick up so far, <laughs> like too much going on in your brain. And this like doctor had come to this village to be like, you got to sort it out and we got it. You got to stop thinking. I forget what they call it, but it's like, do you remember? There's Alex? also like a time sickness too that I think it, yes. it has. They yes. talk about where it's like, you know, sometimes like 10 seconds feels like an hour. Sometimes a yes. day feels like a minute. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to discern. I mean, I think that's probably like some kind of metaphor for something like Alzheimer's, but. And and so the this doctor was able to come up with therapies and methods to alleviate some of it. This doctor, Doctor Fumio, Fumio also succumbed to the the, the dream sickness. Um, and so you're going out beyond the walls of this safe haven, this little town, to go take a camera and an audio recorder and your sketchbook to go basically chronicle what is to be chronicled, what you think, what the player thinks is mm-hmm. important. Uh. In this timeline and to do that, you can take pictures of things, which will sometimes trigger insight from the character. You can record things using an audio recorder, which again, some of them you just collect if you want to just record anything. Some of them will trigger moments or insight from the character. And sometimes the character will just um, sketch something if you interact with it in, in their book. 
And so you uh, you go around and you kind of just stop at these set pieces and do your business and then put them in your journal in a really kind of satisfying way. Yes. Uh, you, you get to arrange them in your scrapbook, the things you want to put in there, the pictures you want to put in, you can put in until you filled it out. And then sometimes you'll get a little more insights uh, into the events that happen there if you have triggered enough things or unlocked it. Or you can just kind of move on. If, if yeah. You yeah. I was going to ask, are there objectives or can you just kind of. The objective Do is as just much kind or of as little as you want. It's just to kind of to move forward, you know, yeah. to keep to keep exploring. But like the, the, you know, there are certain things on like whenever you come to a new area, there are certain things on that you that are interactable that are locked initially, and the only way to unlock them is to get enough keepsakes from the area you're in, and that can be again that can be anything. It can be photos, it can be auto recordings, it can be things that you pick up and find, like notes people left, other that kind of stuff. Uh, as long as you find enough of those things in each area, you can unlock those. Like, it's not, this is not a game that is about, like, action in any particular way. It is, it is a game that seems like it is very much about vibes. It is about, like, you know, the, the sort of peace and solitude of biking through these, like, fairly pretty vistas. And then just periodically stopping to take in, like, the, the more significant set pieces. It's got a fairly somber tone, at least the parts yeah. that I've gotten up to, because your character is pretty thoughtful and um, uh, introspective in terms of what is what is their place in the world. Like, yes. what is how how does this? I it's somber I make, without being like relentlessly depressing. Though, no, no, say, no, at it's least not in depressing. what I played so far, it's it's actually kind of uplifting in a way of like we should gather these memories. And the thing that's actually really touching is. The game opens with someone, you don't know who it is, opening this book that says, you know, starts with, who are you, right? Because that's the first thing your character writes. I don't know who's reading this, and I don't know who it is. And, they, and the game opens with that. And it's like a really interesting way to pull it back into this character's uh, uh, journey, which is you are writing this. I mean, the name of the game is A Letter to the Future, right? You are writing this book for somebody else to look at in the future. Yeah. And you're... And, um, you're going on this weird journey. It's weirder than I thought. Yes. I thought I thought it was going to be like biking around Europe and taking pictures. It is not. It is not that. Uh, a year in Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is not that. You're you're kind of passing by sci-fi ish elements in, in a but kind also of sometimes way. stuff that feels very modern. Like you know, the first area you kind of get into out of the village is just like, hey, there's a river. Or, you know, an ocean, and then there's a bunch of, like, you know, shipping cranes and other things that, like, obviously there was some old industrial stuff there, which doesn't feel particularly futuristic, just feels like pieces of the society we knew from a long time ago. Yeah, but then along the way you're collecting notes that are like, I'm fleeing this war, or, uh, yes. uh, you know, um, I'm coming down with the, the mental, the, the memory sickness or the dream sickness. And Well, and there's that elder lady who tells you about, like, the war, and also, like, there was a period where a bunch of people lived on cruise ships out on the water and formed their own little micro-societies <laughs> on those boats. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of got me in its fiction. Like, yeah, I, there's something there. I want to know what's going on in there. Um and I, I also like the pace of it. it the, you ride this bicycle. It's got this really uh, <laughs> kind of neat, if not throwaway mechanic, where when you get on the bike, you have to pump the left and right triggers like four times just to get the bike started, you know, to pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're like, eh, 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 and then you kind of just cruise for a little bit. But you kind of take your bike and, and you get off of it and you can walk around, record stuff. And 
at your leisure, fill in your book, and then kind of get back on your bike and go. And the the pressure is is fairly off. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not that. It's not a game where it feels like there is anything really pressing on you. Yeah. Like it is. It is very much about how you want to take in the spaces and how you want to progress. And I do think the art is very nice. Like I think mm-hmm. I think the vistas they have created for you to bike around. It is hitting the note I want, which is to say that like it has that feel of like you are in a completely abandoned place, but that nature is everywhere and there is just like a lot a lot to drink in in those environments, which I appreciate. I hope this sticks the landing on Me whatever too. it's trying to do. I you know it's it they're seems setting like, up some really cool things. Yeah, so I hope it follows through. It's a season, a letter to the future. It's out now as a time of this recording, available on PlayStation's. Uh, and the PC, $30 out yes. there. And uh, I'm going to say so far, I I wasn't really looking forward to this one as much as uh, as probably I should have given what the game is uh, actually is. I, I thought it was going to be a little more in the, like I said, <laughs> just got to get on your bike around Europe and take some pictures and memories. It is, it is it not that. that. No, no. It's, it's, it's deeper. A gap year in the pre-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, we're post pre yeah. i don't know yeah. pre, post and pre maybe post, from the sound of it I don't know. I, yeah i had i had th- i had intended to play this and then like three other things happened this week some expected some not that i played instead such as such as yes dead what is space. next dead space. Dead space. dead space dead space dead space dead space okay so i'm gonna be honest here there was a point last week where we were talking about the games coming up and i was like yeah you know like dead space like I'm, I, I'm fairly good. We did on Dead just Space. watch Abby play through it like a couple yeah, of years like, ago. I'm pr- I'm pretty good on Dead Space. I'm I'm excited for this release, but you know I'm not uh, champing at the bit for it. And then once I started playing it, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Dead Space. They huh. done a good job on this In- thing. Interesting, because I, I the, I don't I don't want this to sound like I'm down on the game at all. But I kind of had the opposite experience <laughs> of I huh. was like dying for this thing. Uh huh. Especially coming out of Callisto Protocol, which is like good, but not quite all there. Flawed, let's say. Yeah. And I was just like, and, you know, like the developers had said a lot of stuff about things they were changing in this game to make it more modern. And then I got my hands on it and I'm like, you know, I could kind of still see the 360 underneath all of this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Like it's not, it's it is not fundamentally a different game. No, uh, but I think it's, it feels modern. Yeah. And, I mean, as much as it could in corridor uh, survival. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, like that's part of it. You know, it's like the environments are pretty limited because, you know, those consoles couldn't handle bigger levels at the time. And and, and like some I, I you know, I, I can't sit here and say like, oh, they reused cutscene assets or whatever. There are some spots like some of the cutscenes feel dated in a way that I can't, mm-hmm. you know, just I can't quite put my finger on just like little animation quirks and stuff like that that. And like some of the menus also like it just, you know, it's like, okay, yes, this is a 15 year old game. And like, sure. It, sure, it sure as hell looks better. Oh yes. That's um, where the real work went in. And, and, and you know, there, there are changes to enemy spawns and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm still enjoying, like, don't get me wrong. I'm still enjoying mm, it quite a bit, yeah. but it kind of, it kind of brought me back down to earth a little bit of like, this is not a full, full remake. Like it is a like very nice, like it's a substantial one, co- but it's like a nice, it's very nice coat of paint and polish pass on visuals and some mechanics but still like you know it's, it's a still, shoring it's still, up too like they, they've they've gone and done some some work on the uh it, it's not a uh what is this pitched as a remake yes um yeah yeah i think okay. so more than yeah. just a remaster 
Um, yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, you know, that's always a weird fuzzy gray yeah, area. Yeah, that's what kind of why I, I asked. I think it's. Oh, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely more remake than remaster. I think just based on the level of change to the graphics alone. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say about it, though, I I went into it thinking just like. It's like, ah, I played all the Dead Space games. It's like, ah, you know, you've, you dismembered one necromorph, you've dismembered them all, right? <laughs> but then I was, like, shocked how terrifying it still feels. Um, Again, coming off of Callisto, which is a game that looks much more modern and realistic and, like, you would think would be scarier. <laughs> but for some reason, this this game that it, I feel like it, that is kind of identifiably a game from two generations ago still, like, f- freaking me out more than Callisto did. I think um, I I think I like the no I mean I guess it's fair to compare them. There's so much totally, shared it DNA. Is. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean yeah. The, the I think what was it? Something like thirty of the developers on Callisto may worked on the first Dead Space yeah. or something it, like, and including the head of the studio. It's like yeah. I think I just like what Dead Space. I, I you know the the whole conceit of Dead Space a little more with this miner who's supposed to be picking up all these tools and using them to. Uh, make his way through the uh, Ishimura, you know. Like the, mm-hmm. I think I just like the whole conceit a little more, it, yeah. even though even though Callisto is very similar. In, in a yeah, lot of I ways. mean, they definitely they definitely went for the kind of blue collar everyman thrust into this space horror <laughs> nightmare again. Yeah, except he's a trucker in the Callisto <laughs> instead of an engineer. Right, but I like the um, suit. I like I yeah. like Isaac's uh, whole yeah. stomping. I, I I always I always really liked the motif of like. These are mostly all like starship engineering tools that you are repurposing yeah. as weapons, except yeah. except when you picked up this rifle off guard. But still, um, like the sound design is great. Like all those menu and door sounds, and like the pick the pickup sound, the sound of picking up a, a, a drop, like credits or ammo or whatever, is like maybe the best pickup sound I've ever heard. It's so satisfying. I think for me also knowing that it's a game I have mostly gone through though TBD on the ending and where things go. And if they do a dead space two again, like what happens there? Uh, I am, I'm moving through it faster than I normally would like a game like Callisto where I'm checking every single corner for every node or every power up because I kind of just want to get through it uh, to, to the end. And I'm not, I'm not trying to soak up every, every tiny corner. Also, I get lost in that game quite a bit. There's mm. a lot of dark spaces and it's, I think you mentioned this on the stream. You can, I feel like I'm dumping ammo because of the spawns coming in uh, at, at random places. I'm just, yeah. you know, wasting, but every, when I run around, it seems like things will respawn sometimes and I'm, I'm dropping. Yeah, ammo. That was, that was one of the big things they pitched for this was like kind of AI director style. Like, Oh, the enemy spawns are varied and it'll, mm. you know, dynamically, like I was talking to Patrick about playing this game. He'd, I felt I felt vindicated. He apparently, I mean, maybe a lot of survival horror fans do this. He does the same thing I do of like, oh, that encounter didn't go as well as it could have. I feel like I've wasted too much ammo on that. I'm going to re I'm going to yeah, reload the checkpoint and do it better this time. Um, and he said he did a bunch of that in this. And like this, like the encounters were different every time, mm, like mm. where they were spawning around him and stuff like that. So I haven't been doing a lot of that here, so I haven't seen it myself. But um, I, th- I think I think the reason that this is still freaking me out more is that the necromorphs just get the fuck up in your face all the time. Yeah. And they're also very willing to just spawn them right behind you where you can't see them until they hit you and stuff like that. Like Callisto has got that weird boxing yeah. game mechanic where most of the enemies are humanoid to accommodate this kind of melee combat. 
and they generally run up to you and then stop. They square up. Yes. They yeah. run up they run up to you and do the action movie thing of the goon sort of standing there waiting for the hero to do something. Yep. And that's to accommodate this, you know, kind of give and take dodging, countering melee stuff that they do. Which is like a fun mechanic, but playing going back to this makes me realize it kind of does diffuse a lot of the tension of those fights cuz you know that you're going to have a second to kind of get yourself ready to respond. Versus, like, the Necromorphs just get on you. I mean, also, you can, like, slice their legs off with the gun. So you, there's, like, this this push-pull of, oh, I gotta hit their leg, I gotta hit this guy's leg. And then he kind of collapses on the floor, and then they start crawling towards you. Yeah. And, you you know, it felt it feels a little more manageable than Callisto did at times, where crowd management feels... You have the tools to manage the, the, the crowd a little better. Yeah. it's also It's also been fun... I mean, going back through it, like knowing the story this time and reading the text logs of, you know, the telltale signs of like the marker getting on top of people. Uh-huh. But it's also reminded me just how goddamn stupid the backstory of Dead Space is. Maybe they change it. I, like, again, like, I, we maybe. haven't gotten to the end. Maybe they, they pull it away from how bananas it got. I, I don't I don't mean that. In a, and I'm not even talking about the moon stuff in three or whatever, but just the core conceit of like a monolith that turns you into this god awful monster just by being near it for too long or something. Yeah. But the real and again, I'm not this is not a criticism. I think it's kind of fun. The fact that a religion sprung up around this where people want to be turned into these things. What's the church like, called? I can't remember. Is it, is it the Unitologist church? Something it, along those isn't lines. It, isn't oh, Unitology, isn't that the... Yes, Unitology is okay. the name of the religion, but it's like fucking people look at these things and aspire to become them. Like, uh, that's, they know, listen. That's, listen, uh, <laughs> people are into some wild shit. I guess. <laughs> it's the... It's the I've, I've heard weirder real-life stuff about ascension and you know uh all, all of those things it's i i hope they change a little bit in the ending just a little bit to, to tweak it it might be fun fun to have a little different thing and if they do move forward to be able to be freed from having to follow in the tracks of that two and that three. that is the ultimate question of this thing to me it's like it's cool they did this and i'm happy to play through it but it's like does this kick off a new era for dead space is the real question like, i hope so you put all this work into this engine um like I, they can't just remake Dead Space Two. I don't think. Like they can't do that again. Like this, this has to be a like light touch method of seeing if there's still appetite for this, and then yeah. if there is, like they need to make a whole new game after this. Like whether, uh, whether that happens or not, who can say? But so this is uh this is available across the board here on your your PlayStation Five, your Xbox Series X and S, and the PC. It's seventy bucks on the consoles, sixty dollars. On the PC, still, still not a fan of the Isaac redesign, but whatever. <laughs> he just looks like a guy. Yeah, a guy. He's just a guy. I mean, I guess it fits with the again. Just, this guy is just a laborer on this ship that gets thrust into some shit. Uh, Dead Space original Dead Space is on Game Pass, right? Um, it must be. I mean, it's part of EA Play, so. And then this is not right. Uh, not no, I don't think so. Because in my database, the way I, I denote Game Pass games is by game name. Mm-hmm. So, Dead Space, Dead Space. When you name your game the same exact name, it causes database problems, let's just say. Uh, but that's the way Microsoft wants to give out their Game Pass feed. I think I think they are probably still doing the limited time trial stuff on EA Play. For EA Play? Okay. 
all right, Dead Space, that is out now, part of last week's big release week. Another thing that released last week on Friday was the freelancer mode for Hitsman, something that was pushed back, um, announced a while ago, pushed back, but is now here, Hitman's freelancer mode, the mode in which you basically take what feels like an endless runs of mission is not endless, but it feels like an endless run of missions, uh, in portions that culminate in a hunt for a, um, what was the one in Berlin, right? We had to figure out who the targets were, um, in in the story mode in Hitman three. It's a little, a little bit like that, but a little bit more, a little cornier and a little more guess, guess who, um, like, they have glasses. They smoke. They wear a hat. They like to read. It's guess who. It's literally just yeah. guess who. Uh, so uh, kind of culminates in that. You do that, and then you get on another string of uh, of assassination missions. If you bomb out, you get one more chance to go back in, but the areas that you had previously on your map will be on high alert, meaning that it's going to be harder. Yeah, yes. for regular missions. If you, if you regular fail a missions. regular mission, one, yeah. one per set, right? I, I've never. It's I've, not. It's not per run, right? Um, so, I've so never way, failed and then finished and then failed again. Okay, yeah, I haven't either. The, the way they break it up, I don't. I'm not sure if you mentioned it's like it's like two regular missions and then a showdown and then the next tier is three regulars and then a showdown yeah. and then four. Um, it gets cool. on you, man. It's, Dude, this thing is this thing is like bananas hard. Like I, I have played a lot of Hitman, but holy shit, it's making um, me play. <sighs> It's making me take it more seriously, for better or worse. You have to, and that's kind of inherent to the design. It's interesting because you are all the targets are random, just random NPCs, so you can't really use the fun, scripted story executions that they spent surely the bulk of the development time on for this game. Mm -hmm. Like it's all it's all mechanical stealth. It's not ever scripted story stealth. You know, it's all I'm gonna like fiber wire this person or drop a chandelier on them or poison them. But you can't do the bespoke. I'm going to make them walk the catwalk. That's you know the type of stuff that's reserved for the story targets. Yeah. So it does. It turns it into much more of like a hard, like a hard assed stealth challenge rather than like this stupid stealth playground that the game usually is. Yeah, I, I mean, I've really enjoyed it so far. The I, I'll say my my complaint with it. I don't even mind the difficulty. The my biggest complaints so far is um, you bring. You bring weapons out of a mission, let's say, when you finish it, and you can store them in your your safe house, which is very cool, Uh, and you can bring those in, but if you lose them in the mission, you lose them for real. But you have them, if you store them, you have them for whatever you want in in sequential runs. That's not the same for tools. When you bring out a tool and put it in your safe box, you only have it during that campaign's run. Yes. And then you lose them. And I, I don't so, like that as much. So what it actually is, and they don't explain this well at all. I think it was in like a loading screen tool tip or something. It's any item with a rarity level. Oh, so, really? So the, the, the items have, have straight up color coded loot rarity, green, uh-huh. blue, I assume purple. And then like orange, I haven't seen higher, higher rarity items, but yeah, there's, there's a tool tip in there somewhere. Um, you only take items with a rarity level back out of missions. So I haven't, I haven't looked, but I'm guessing most of the like, you know, fish and golf ball and stuff like that, that you're picking up in missions. Don't oh, I don't it. even mean that. Like, I mean like the C4, right? Like if you, you know, like the you rubber get the, ducks, like the rubber ducks and the like proximity explosives, those things, if you put those in your little, um, uh, Pelican case, you know, like you can put those back in the case. Yeah. Um, 
if you when you fail out of the mission, 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 those are gone. Oh, you mean once the run is over? Yeah, yes. once, yes. once the run, run is whole, over. Yes, that that whole they start kit, that part over. Yes, that whole toolkit does reset. That's at the beginning of a run. Like I, that's kind of a bummer. Like, I mean, I guess those things yeah. are pretty overpowered in some ways, and and maybe they would just uh, um, kind of diminish. Like if you just had a bunch of rubber ducks and you could just you know plant them, but. As someone who likes to collect stuff, I want to fill that case out. I'm Me never going to fill that case out. Like, All right, I've gotten, I've gotten some guns. I've got a few no, the melee gun, weapons. The guns, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying the tool case. I, I find the so you got a, you've got a, like a, a assassin secret base. Yeah, layer. This is the best HQ, part. <laughs> um, which if anybody knows how to change the motivational posters, I am really mad that I didn't pick the one I wanted, and I can't. I don't. I haven't gotten a. I haven't actually been it? able to change those either. It might That's, that might be something they they need to fix. Surely you are not locked into. I did not pick them. Some of those motivational posters are very good, mm-hmm. and I didn't anyway. I have um, the hang in there poster. Yes, I did. I did do hang in there. <laughs> it's a very good hang in. Uh, anyway, have you gone upstairs are, yet? No, I haven't unlocked all the way up there yet. It's a whole ass house up there. Yeah, I I, I've, I saw some of the trailer footage, and I really want to see that stuff. But anyway, a big part of the base is like you've got these giant weapon displays, and you know you can fill out your collection of stuff. I find the emphasis on guns there to be bizarre because this is so not a shooter. Like it's like extremely not a shooter in any regard. Like, I mean, you know, different play styles. Correct me if you feel differently, but like. I, my feeling has always been if you were like guns out shooting in this thing, you were about to die and you have fucked up. Ah, uh, you know, they have their place, but I'm um, so far in this freelancer mode. Yes. Because the, the targets they give you sometimes are just hanging out in the middle of a ballroom right. and like just doing a path there. It's not like a lot of the targets don't always just walk into a back closet somewhere where you can do that weird shot from across the map and just take them out. A lot of, t- but uh, you know, like Alex, when we played uh, on the stream, I had a gun and the target was literally just walking by me while I was, my back was to the exit point. So I was just able to shoot the target and just turn right, around. Yeah. Even yeah. though everybody saw me, I was able to just turn around. I've, I've also had missions where the target was just right in my face <laughs> at the spawn, but it is yeah. truly randomized. Like I did two Colorado missions in a row between yeah. failed runs. The first one is spawned me at the top of the water tower yes. with like a bunch of guards all oh milling my gosh, around that's what right happened at the bottom. To us during the stream, yes. And then the second time, it put me way on the outskirts where it was super easy to just go get a disguise instantly and just waltz in and do the thing. It's like I, like, I kind of like it, and yeah, I I actually it, haven't figured out how to reset after a failure and just skip the um, escalated part. So I've been doing the escalated ones. Oh, there's a oh, there's, there's a, a thing there's a little, to the right. Yeah, there, there's a little like I don't know. It's like a pamphlet or something on the desk in front of the map that you can just go up and use, and it'll it'll end your uh, run. Yeah, I, I kind of like doing the escalated one too, just to see how dumb it can get. My 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 approach is always like if I if I have that happen in the first tier of missions, then I will just start the campaign over. Yeah. If it happens after that, I just I'm just gonna go with it. If you if you if you have finished a showdown, which I have not yet. Uh, you're already deep enough in that you should just keep rolling. I have finished exactly one showdown ever. I finished so, two, but it was really messy. Yeah. <laughs> just a lot of people died. I don't. So I've only gotten to one showdown so far, and it was in Paris. And there were four sus. Are there always four suspects, or is that no? Random? Because as it goes on, they add more with oh, each wow. tier. Well, so there were four on Paris, and it was like it was like blonde glasses, necklace, earrings, mm. smoking a cigarette, like smoker. Yeah. Um, sweet tooth dehydrated was the other one, which I didn't see, but like I checked one or two of the other suspects, not it. 
I found a blonde woman with glasses and a necklace going out for a cigarette. Yeah. I was like, this has to be the target. Like, that's almost all the checkboxes. Yeah. Killed her. Uh-huh. Not the target. Not the target. The yeah. target is fleeing. That I was ha- like, what? How is what? So, that is the thing. I, I have no problem with the repeated failure. I have no problem with the general challenge level of what they are doing. I think those missions are a little broken. Because with the fleeing? With the fleeing. I think it's too easy to yeah. make those people flee. And I think that they need a greater variety of those uh, aspects of the, of the character, like the guess who parts that you're looking for. Because right now it does feel like I'm seeing a lot of the same ones over and over and over again, and there just isn't enough to recombine them in an interesting way. I, I could see that. Also, I don't know. I got caught when I when I killed what I thought was the target and turned out not to be. I also got caught by a guard at the same time. So I don't know if I don't know if it was killing the wrong target or getting caught that made the I think actual it's get, target. F- I think it's getting caught. Okay. Um, uh, or, or you know, like. Or them seeing a body or something like that. Something put them on alert okay. where, the, yeah. where they leave. Okay, so, so, so you can, if you cleanly kill the wrong I think so. suspect, you can get away with it? You can totally get away yeah. with it. It's okay. just that, like, you're there. The, in some cases, there is no opportunity to kill one of those NPCs cleanly because you're in a map where their exact path is just to hang out around everybody yeah. always. Yeah. So, it's I mean, then the other thing I came to with that is, like, I never, I never found the real target because they got away. I couldn't find them as they were fleeing in the like ninety seconds they give you or something. Yeah, it's not so a lot. Fast. Two minutes before they exit the map. But again, the one, I, the red herring fit the profile so almost exactly that like I don't know how the real target could have been any more obvious than the fake one. Like, so it is. I have found that generally speaking, and and again, I've I've only done a handful of these because I don't always make it there, but. I think there's usually two suspects that are pretty close to each other huh. in terms of traits, but there's okay. one like it's missing one or two of them. Do Interesting. You, do you know? And this maybe the chat can uh, somebody can message me the chat, it, the chat, the uh, Discord this live show we're doing. It, yes. Um, if if a person shows a trait that's not on the list, does mm-hmm. that eliminate them from the list, or can they have additional traits that are not on the list? Like if, if somebody is eating or drinking a thing and the icon comes over their head and that's not listed, can you mark them off safely or can they have, you know, can they have additional traits that aren't on there? Because that would really help eliminating people. If you see somebody like, oh, they're smoking. That's, that's definitely not them. Um, and you know, but not if they said non-smoker, uh, you know, I like the tools they have to be able to say not a suspect or prime suspect. Those seem to work generally okay with the camera. I like that when you're looking in the camera, it's basically the icon over their head that they're looking for. That really helps me in terms of like, what are they doing? Are they eating food? And it'll show the icon and the icons there be like, okay, this is pretty simplified. Just match the icon to the profile icon. Um, that part's okay. The fleeing is a pain in the butt because usually it when is. they're fleeing, something's popped off. So it's not like you just run after them. Yeah. Everybody's shooting at you. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, I mean, I guess I could play better and be more stealthy, but it's, it's a really frustrating thing because it takes so long to get up to that showdown. And then to have somebody just run off the map is, is, uh, takes the wind out of your sails. It's suboptimal. I, it, and again, I, I think my issue my issues with it are just like little balance things. It's I think the core design of what they're doing is really cool, and I think it is a great way to elongate people's interest in that game, especially now that they've done this rebrand. I just want them to rebalance a couple of things. That's it. 
yeah, it's it's a, it is a really cool way to add tension and stakes to successive missions that you don't normally get in those games because you can just save scum all day long. Yeah, um, which is cool. I kind of also wish there was a little bit more like some other like meta layer of progression or something like I don't know, man. I wish they had added trophies to it or made it tie back into your overall like campaign mastery more or something. I, I like just, the hitman, ma- the it, the freelancer mastery is nice. It just, but that's but that's self contained, right? Isn't that self contained? Totally, yeah, it's like a totally separate mastery track. Like it, yeah. it just feels it feels like very self contained. Mm. Like it doesn't touch anything about the rest of the hitman world of assassination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I maybe you get this later on, but I would wish I wish you could unlock reusable certain reusable things. And again, this might break the balance of the game, but certain things like a that you could bring in over like a gun and you can bring in over and over again if you wanted, or uh the general fiber wire or the coin, right? That you could just yeah. like at a certain level, the game knows you have are good enough. You've hit a mastery level, you could always bring the coin in or something I'd, like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some rewards like that for maybe finishing a full run or something. Yeah, maybe. I I'm not sure. I again I haven't made it to f- I haven't made it to the second showdown. I've only made it past one showdown. I've made it to the second showdown, but I bombed out so fucking hard on it. Man, it's like, God, I can't eat. Fuck, man. That's like, it's like a week or something to get to the final showdown in this Seriously? thing. Like, you're playing it yeah. every day, it would, like, how many? I didn't, I'd have to look. It's five many. tiers, I believe. <laughs> but yeah, they, success- and they stretch out by one each time? They or? add an extra mission to each one. Yeah, so, I mean, you can do the math. That's a lot of missions. Like, by the time you get to that last showdown, I think I would be, like, <laughs> like the butterflies in my stomach would be such that I would just never finish the run. Yeah. It's kind of it's and it's kind of an amazing. It's a thing to work for on its own, really. But it's yeah. right now. I'm just not good enough at Hitman. The nice thing is this is showing me so much more of the maps than I have ever seen before. There are places on these maps that I'm starting in, and I was like, I've never even been here. What is this back room? There have definitely been a few map spots where I'm like, I don't know what this is or what's happening. And I think that is sort of the Achilles heel of anyone playing this mode is you need to know these mm, maps fairly yes. inside and out. You should probably go through the campaign first uh, to at least get a survey of the maps because at least I know the general layout of the maps. But if you don't know and aren't doing the story missions, some of them are fairly labyrinthine and like you don't won't know how to get like five levels underground or, yeah. you know, uh, oh, you have to get into the, this building is where they're doing this weird science experiment. And don't forget, there's a total lab underground in, uh, you know, is it in China? like. I had to go do multiple levels that have underground labs. So I had four of the showdown targets were underground and one was not. And so I had to mark one above ground and then like go up and down to, you know, get in and out of that place pretty easily, which meant clearing out a bunch of people. I died in that. That's my showdown. I died on, but yeah, I I really dig it. It's, It's a neat thing. I kind of, out of all the stuff we've talked about so far, so far, it's the thing I boot up when I've got about 45 minutes to just, jump yes. in and play a thing it is the thing i have been going back to repeatedly over the last week it's really neat um yeah uh, it, it kind of derailed all the other stuff that came out yeah <laughs> like good I on them just kept i kind of just kept going back to that i mean it is like as much as it is demoralizing to fail out of a run and stuff it all also it can be like a nice bite-sized thing you know yeah because you can save the runs you can't save mid-mission which is by design obviously but like it it can be easy to be just like, oh, you know, I'll pop off one more mission on that run. Like, I, I'll just sit down for 30 minutes and play one mission and then be done. You never know when you're just going to get that super easy one. 
that super duper easy one where you're just gonna they're just gonna it's all gonna line up for you and then you just walk away uh that is the hitman freelancer mode that uh was patched in recently hitman yeah. uh you figure out how you want to get it at this point i don't even know where where it is and how much it is yeah i mean so, they, I, I, supposedly they have simplified the whole thing where you just buy the product and get everything now i still own hitman across like four different platforms and i have to figure yeah, out. i have it on at least two yeah i always forget which one is my main one i continue to be glad that i am on xbox for that thing where the smart delivery stuff means it just turns into whatever the current version of the game is. Okay. Cause like going back to like, I went back to the PS five to download that version. And like, I've still got like Hitman two map packs for PS four that show up in the like content that I own for that thing. Right. You know, it's like super confusing how to license yourself for all the stuff. I do wish they eventually at the very least did cross progression across different, um, different things with the io account um yeah I, I i wish it had gotten to that point like a like the witcher style like just sync your saves back and forth they, they did you do that. have they, to log in but they did yeah but they, they never got that far they did that weird like one time choose your product, platform like, choose choose your save to merge yeah. type weird stuff yeah it's weird because i i have it on the uh epic game store is my main one but i wouldn't mind just being able to plop down between like a different game on the PlayStation and just fire it up for a run at this point too, especially if you're just like, I always want to do a run, you know? Mm. Uh, all right. That's Hitman freelancer mode. Next up. We still got more games to go here. Next mm-hmm. up. Um, for spoken, a game we talked about last week. I have put about 10 plus hours in. I don't know why I am unsure exactly how I feel about that game. It's, I think I'm done with it. I I kind of want to see more of it, but I don't really understand what's propelling me, what what my magical parkour is through this world. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is, but something is. It's it's really the most checklist thing I've done in a while. Oh like, yeah, it's, it's extremely it's one vomit of those. checklist. It is, and very little of what's on that checklist is that interesting, which I You're think right. is the thing that is stopping me from continuing on with it. And I was curious, and I was continuing with it because. There's just something about that game and the creative choices they made and the things they chose to commit to that I'm kind of fascinated by. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. But it's purely a professional fascination. It's not because I'm having a blast with it or anything. I'm kind of not. It's not terrible, but it's not that interesting. So I just, um, I just beat, I got the part where I got a whole nother magic tree. Yeah. Um. So I'm up to that part, and I'm curious to see if that opens things up. Also, you get some new traversal mechanics, and uh, because that's kind of needed. That's mm-hmm. there's a lot of just sprinting through this map constantly, uh, which is a very samey kind of map. This kind of desolate wasteland. I don't quite know. I even turned down the um, banter, the uh, cuff and um, uh, protagonist banter. Because I got tired of every time I scanned a thing, them saying, like, maybe there's something over there. Maybe you should mm-hmm. shut your face. They're like, all right, whatever. Just stop sniping at each other. It's if like the they, sniping was better, I wouldn't mind, but it's uh, not very they're interesting. They're so at each other's, other's throat. What'd you pick up? Why do you care? It's like, just stop. Just So I turned it down to the one that's like the one tick fewer, uh, which seems to be much better now. Yeah. 
the combat is like not that engaging to me and it's like fun for a time and it's like you know when i played that that preview demo it was like that was a good amount of time to enjoy that combat i don't think it gets that much more interesting as you go along i mean yes they add things to it but it just feels like it kind of has one thing that it's doing and you just do it over and over again. I'm going to see. So I've got, I've got all this new magic now, new traversal mechanics. Maybe it's one of those games that is like, it takes 10 hours to open up. Not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying maybe it is one of those and maybe I'll wind up loving it in the end. I'm probably going to keep going with it some more. Do we know how long this one is? Is it? I don't think it's like massively long, but it is not short either. I've seen chatter that it's not very long, like 15 hours or something. Whoa, really? 15? Because the map seems big. Yeah, I mean, but there are, and there are, I think there's four of those like uh, Tantas. If you have to fight them all, I don't know. Yeah, if you have to fight them all. I feel very overleveled as well. I don't think I should have stopped at every single marker on my way across the map because clearly. I took out that first boss in one shot and was like just spamming that machine gun magic you get. And she went down pretty hard. Uh, yeah, and it's, this, it's kind of epic. Well, this is kind of epic fight where you're supposed to be. She's like, I'm the all powerful. You'll never destroy me. And I just like <laughs> clicked to the cutscene within two minutes of like, how are you so strong? How long to how long to be currently saying fourteen and a half hours for the main story? Whoa, main story and side missions like twenty twenty one. Really? Because I'm okay, like so 10 it's like kind of there. a it's like a it's like a Ghost of Tsushima level length. All right, I felt like I this was gonna be a forty to fifty hour one, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm kind of glad it's not because I don't think what they have going on here would sustain something of that length. I think what it's a, it's I'm, about 50 to like for everything, like quite literally every collectible and everything. But I think I'm getting burned out on the collectibles already. The nails and the, the cloaks and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's a little too much. I am mostly curious to see how this wraps up. If they are looking to turn this into a franchise or if they kind of end it with a bow on it, you know, if they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're stuck here now. Or if it's, we go back home and world reset. That's Forspoken. I'm going to keep playing it. Um, it's not, I'm not super loving it, but there is something in there. There's something in there that is just, I think it's one of those turn my brain off and just kind of run around on the map games. Um, and so we'll see. Uh, all right. We're getting down into it now, but Goldeneye, mm-hmm. Brad, tell me about Goldeneye. Um, okay, James Bond is a secret agent. His okay. code name is 007. Okay. Does he have ask golden me, eyes? Ask Ask me anything about James Bond. Uh, what's your favorite character from GoldenEye? Odd, odd job? Great. It's the only one, yep. I, the only uh-huh. one I can think uh-huh. of. Uh-huh. It's great. I, look, I am, I am on record <laughs> as having been very busy playing Quake around the time that GoldenEye came out. I'm not some big golden eye fan but they put that out on the xbox and the switch mm-hmm. uh i played it on the xbox because i own rare replay okay and so they gave it to everyone who owns rare replay as the kind of big conspicuous gap in rare replays it's it's the collection of rares history if you don't know they came out at the around the beginning of the xbox one generation mm-hmm. golden eye being the one big game in there that was missing I went and also re-downloaded Rare Replay. Very irrationally upset that they did not update Rare Replay itself to include this game. 
Oh, it just launches like alongside it. Like it's not a even separate, that. It's oh, literally no. They haven't even touched the base game. Like, uh-huh. Okay. They just if they also. That's only if you have the digital version. If you have the disc, if you have a retail disc copy of Rare Replay, you do not get GoldenEye. Oh, there's no totally. way for them to like. I mean, they could. Yeah. <laughs> and all of your friends that you also loaned the disc to uh-huh. long enough to license the game. I guess. No, yeah. So if you have a digital license for, you know, something. They couldn't some, do I mean, the thing where you have to have the disc in the drive to, to play it. They probably could. Yeah. But yeah, they right. didn't. Uh, there's, there is a fair amount of unrest over this, that particular situation. But, but there's also, also. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, just a bunch also, here. I mean, you know, take. Assign as much import to this as you want. I'm the person who wouldn't shut up about Atari 50 last year, but like Rare Replay is a pretty nice, tidy package of like Rare's whole freaking history. You know, like it's kind of a pretty extensive history. There's a lot of cool historical stuff in there. It's like a nice interface with all the games laid out in a timeline and stuff. Like it just feels like they there was like archival work there to do that they didn't do. You know. Mm-hmm. Like it belongs in there with all those other games and they didn't. So, but anyway, a couple of other technical points here. It's on game pass, but you can't buy it on its own. Yeah, I guess that's the case. Okay. Which is crazy. We, we checked before the podcast and that seemed to still be the case where you either have to buy rare replay and then you'll get the game or you get it on game pass. So it's, it didn't seem like it had a, a, its own skew. Yeah, it doesn't seem like you can buy it directly. Uh, Rare Replay is, I think, $30 regular now these days. And I've, I've seen it for as low as like 8 And then so. the, the other weird technical point, which I'll bring up and feel free to just say, I'm not sure, is this is not exactly the same thing that is releasing on the Switch. No, no. The Switch version is part of the Nintendo Switch Online Nintendo 64 offering. Yeah. The Switch version is also the only version with online play. The right. Xbox version does not have online play, which is also not going over well. Also, there's like, I'm not, I'm no aficionado, but like emulation issues, excuse me, like texture problems. Like I saw Grant Kirkhope upset on Twitter that the pause music is missing like a sonar hit. And huh. He would know uh-huh. as he the would. composer. Um, Ken, Ken Lobb said anything? No, I have not heard anything about the 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 sanctity of the club. Okay. Hopefully, is is still in place. Um, but you know, some some issues here and there. Like, I'm also not clear how connected this is to that leaked XBLA port that uh-huh. came out a year or two ago. I don't think this has anything to do with that version, but I could be wrong. Maybe they did use, share some of the same work. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird situation. The lack of online play on Xbox, which is the platform people would want to play it online on, is just a real bummer. How does it control? Is it faithful? It's fine. Um, Did they the redo version, the controls? The Xbox version defaults to like nice high res and widescreen and and dual analog controls. Like it, it feels does. like a modern. Okay. Maybe maybe I'll fire it up on the grab bag. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it it plays basically like a modern shooter. It's so like, it's not it's, paint paint the cursor style thing. Uh, that you the you can was? still do that. All right. Um, I don't want it, to. It very it very approachably plays like a modern shooter out of the box. All right, uh, which is good at least. It's a weird thing. That whole the whole situation is just kind of a mess. Okay, another uh, just quick question here. What are the okay? I'm trying to think of how to phrase this to just keep it as short as possible. The thing they are trying to do with Perfect Dark is a remake of Perfect Dark, and no, not, no, it's a full on, it's a full brand new game. 
full brand new reimagining of Perfect yes. Dark. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. And we'll see where, when that comes out. Yes. Uh, who gold, knows? Who knows? Uh, GoldenEye available now on Xbox and a different version on the, the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad, you said you played Kingdom Rush? I, we don't even need to get into it. <laughs> they put out Kingdom Rush on the Xbox, and now I find myself playing through Kingdom Rush for like the fourth time. Okay. It's, it's still very good. The, the controls are not great because <laughs> it's a touchscreen game. Now you're playing with sticks. $10? It's 10 bucks. Basically just an opportunity for me to say, A, Kingdom Rush, still very good. Mm. B, where did all the tower defense games go? Fair question. Where are... Where when are they going to port they? Ninja Town to the Xbox? I don't know where they went. Why did they... They, sh- they never ported Ninja Town to anything else, and that's a crime <laughs> because that game's amazing. I never don't. I am not familiar with Ninja Town. Wait, are you sure you didn't play it? I mean, it's possible I played it. I don't know. I distinctly remember playing it on the bus to Sausalito. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, was it a PSP I, game? No, it's a it's a DS game. Oh, okay. Maybe uh, maybe you didn't, but I definitely was playing it in that period when we were riding that bus. Okay. Yeah. Listen, maybe I played Ninja Town. I don't. I don't know. It's a great game. It's a I great do like game. a tower defense game though. I remember Ninja I, Town. Fucking, man, I miss tower defense. It's time for. There's like there's like things with tower defense elements in them out there, but there aren't a lot of pure tower defense games being made anymore. You know, there are if you're looking for tower defense, it's you're probably gonna find it in a factory building game that has right. mob spawn spawn right. spawn. Yes. Um so and stuff like that. That's okay by me. Yeah. It's okay sometimes, by me. Sometimes you just want to build and upgrade some towers and then just sit back and watch everything die. Yeah, you do that and you just gotta build the components that's, to build the towers. Oh man, so much also, I just went to the Tower Defense genre page on Steam to see what is hot in Tower Defense, and at the very top is Dota 2, so that's what happened. Let's move on. What? <laughs> okay, we got to defend those towers. Uh, mm-hmm. Alex Navarro. Yeah. There is one more thing to talk about in this game section. A game Sponge that is SpongeBob. Com- SpongeBob SquarePants. I mean, technically, there's two things, but there, this is the last one that I've actually played that is uh, out. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. What what do we got to say about SpongeBob? They made a SpongeBob game. What a about new one? What about it? Do you do you like platformers that feel like they came out of two thousand four? Sometimes, like that, a, like a, that, a solid enough one of those. Sure, sometimes. Is that, is that when is that when Bikini Bottom came out two thousand four? It was somewhere in that range. I don't remember the exact date, but it was it was definitely in that era. Uh, do, 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 do. I will look it up. Uh, what is this SpongeBob? Uh, what is it? Cosmic Shake, I think is the subtitle, something along those lines. Uh, Great strain of weed. SpongeBob runs afoul of things. Stuff goes wrong. People are transported into weird worlds. You have to go put on cute little costumes and then go rescue them. That's kind of it. That's the game. It is a very, I will say, it is a nice looking 3D platformer, but it is, it is a, it definitely feels like a high fidelity version of a two generations ago platformer. Yeah, I mean, people don't know what happened is they put out that remake of Bikini Bottom three years ago, I think it was. Like, maybe not even that. It might have been like two. Uh, and I think it did way better than they expected. Yeah. And people have a like, lot hey. of affection for that game in particular, but yeah. I mean, SpongeBob, still popular. Yeah. They, they basically were just like, hey, we got to capitalize on this. Let's make a new one. Um, okay. They made a new one. You think I'll play it on the grab bag or something? All right, I'll try it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, show a little like bit of it. There's, there's not a lot to show there. It is it is just a very straightforward platformer it, with the voice actors that you know. 
It does look pretty nice now. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. Eyeballing it. Um, SpongeBob, it's out, SpongeBob's out there. All right, we have a preview. Preview. Yes. Preview. preview. Of a game that is coming out later this month, uh, uh, Like a Dragon Ishin. This one is also a remake uh, of, of an existing game. Uh, Yakuza Ishin. I, I don't remember if it was called Yakuza Ishin or, or if they changed the title slightly more than that, but there were a couple of Yakuza side story games that came out only in Japan uh, where. Okay. Mm hmm. You know how in Warner Brothers cartoons, sometimes they would do retellings of classic stories, but all the characters were just played by the Warner Brothers characters, and they were basically still their same personalities? Yep. That's this. What are they retelling? They're not retelling a specific story, but they are doing an, an era story, I think in, like, turn-of-the-century Japan. Oh, and by that, sure, I mean, yes. 19th okay. and 20th century. I remember this now, yeah. yes. And so, you are playing as... The at like Kiryu, and you know it's the same voice actor for Kiryu, but it's a different character. God, he is it, a yes. wandering samurai Ronin, uh, who is hunting down I think someone who maybe killed his master. Uh, but like Majima is there, and a bunch of the other characters that are from around the era of Yakuza Zero, which is when I think around the time they put this game out, Yakuza Zero had was also coming out in Japan. Um. And it's all those guys, but they are playing different characters within this world. And so I saw a version of it. It is, I would say this is analogous to like those Kiwami remakes of one and two. It okay. does not look dazzling, but it is a big visual upgrade from what it was in the last gen hardware. Okay. Got it. I'm looking at images now. Looks very. Look, yeah, looks solid. And does like, it, does, it, does it have the beat em up aspect? Yes, and so you have you do have a sword and you have weapons, but there are different fighting styles. One is just hand to hand, where you can still pick up objects and beat people to death with them. Uh, there is a a gun and sword combo style. There's one that's just guns, and I think there's one that's just swords. Ishin, Ishin, and so look, I played about one chapter and a half of it. Um. You know, they kind of dropped me in the middle of the story, so I don't know, like, what the setup for everything is. But if you have been itching for more of those characters, even in a different setting, I feel like this is going to scratch that itch just fine. Assuming you didn't already import the original version. Has, has there been one since 7? Was 7 still the last one to come out? 7 is the last official Yakuza game. They did a Judgment sequel yeah, judgment. in the ensuing time, but the but I think the new Like a Dragon game is supposed to come out this year. Is it? I think it is. Cuz what what is the other spin-off that they're bringing out here finally? I can't remember the name of that one either. Is it, it There's another spin-off? Yeah, we we covered it in the news a few months ago. Aren't there two? Binary Domain. I don't know that there is. I think it's just them doing this Side story, like doing the remake of the side story game. Well, there's the Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man, man, the man who, who erased, erased his name. His. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that. that's what I was talking about. I forgot about that completely. Yes. So, yes, that, they do have some things in the hopper, but I think the sequel is also supposed to be out this like year. Like a Dragon 8, 2025, 24, 20, end of 2024 is what I'm seeing. Oh, okay. So, okay. they're not ready on that one yet. Yeah, so Interesting. This, this, this Gaiden is coming out this year. Okay. That's interesting, I, because they haven't actually said whether they're sticking with the turn-based combat for that one yet, I don't think. For the new one? For the new one. I thought they I thought they said they were going back to the standard combat. 
I I'm not sure they, they, they said specifically. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I think the turn-based thing was neat, but I don't know that it had, like, it would have taken some significant reworking to make it better. Um, and people did kind of miss just the straight-up beat-em-up stuff. So are we, it's all just like a dragon now, right? Yakuza. Everything is like a dragon, in, in the West at least, yeah. Okay. Okay. But I think they might also be going with that name in, in Japan as well. All right. I played uh, it. It was fun. I, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it because I did not ever touch those side story games because they never officially came out here, and now they are. I believe this one is. I'm, I'm seeing suggestions that eight will be turn based. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I can confirm that, but that seems to be what is understood. I, I had thought I saw one of them say, or one of the developers at one point say that like they were going to go forward with evolving that fighting style into like a dragon stuff, and they were going to keep the beat 'em up stuff for judgment. And I wonder if them maybe not being sure if they're going to make more judgment games gave them any sort of pause mm. on that but i also might be making all of this up it's there have been a lot of these things they have announced mm-hmm. i completely mm-hmm. forgot about that gaiden game uh-huh. so here we go uh that is um like a dragon ishin it is slated to come out end of february 21st and 22nd um, yeah between xbox pc and playstation that's going to do it for the games. That's a lot Woo. of games. That's a lot That's of games. games. I'm excited because there's like five things on this list that I would just go pick up right now and go want to play. absolutely going to play more Hitman as soon as we are done here. Yeah. Uh, of everything we just talked about, like talking about Hitman made me want to go play more Hitman. I definitely want to go yeah. do a run just because it might, you might get that. You never know. You get that easy one. Yeah. Like, you might be right done. Um, we're going to go take another quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the news because just because there are a lot of games coming out doesn't mean the news has stopped. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with the news. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro. You know, I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week, is a knife. That's a, a, you know, a thing I can use when I need to cut things. I think this one, I, this, I've gotten more than a few knives from Bespoke Post. Are you trying this- to say that when you get a knife, the thing you need to do with a knife is knife? I might have gotten around to said that in a shorter way. I, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one was a specifically a fishing knife, which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish, let's say, or, or field dress a fish. Bespoke Post puts together a box of awesome. And things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, and sometimes, occasionally, a knife uh, that will go inside a kit. That is themed because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. With each Box of Awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from a small, up-and-coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, 
Sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. And we're back. And what? What? Could or would the video game industry be without E3 either to celebrate, to bag on, to go to, to uh, feel good about, to feel bad about, to wonder where it is. E3 will always be in the news somehow. This year, E3 is back dot 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 question mark brad shoemaker Tree show that wouldn't die <laughs> brad shoemaker <laughs> what is in store for this year or i guess what's not in store for this year's e3 um we've been talking for a while about the fact that read pop the purveyors of packs and i think various comic cons and a bunch of other stuff. The events company uh-huh. uh, has taken over E3 and is rebooting E3 and et cetera, et cetera. And they have been saying a lot of the right things. And then we haven't heard anything for some months. And now suddenly here is IGN, uh, Cat Bailey at IGN reporting. Xbox, Nintendo, and Sony are all declining to be part of this new E3 this year. Oh, dear. And now on so, its face... Sony kind of opted out of E3 for a long, uh, pre-pandemic. They were the yeah, first they, one. Yeah, they, they were gone even when we were still going to E3. <laughs> Nintendo had scaled it back, I feel like, a little bit, but still still had a presence. Microsoft, like, though. The, Nintendo's booth presence had yeah. s- still been pretty healthy. It was all right. Like, they, you know, they weren't doing their stage show anymore. That was the big change. They kind of embraced the, the direct, and, and that's yeah, kind of they what they just, did just running a direct the day the show started rather than having a big stage thing. I think Microsoft, 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 Brad, talk to me about Microsoft and E3. Um, they were still there. They, they had, they they never, they never gave up their booth space, but they had converted the actual Xbox booth on the show floor to a mixer booth, (sighs) which certainly will not be an option this time as mixer no longer exists, but you know what I mean? Like they had yeah. moved largely off the show floor to the Nokia theater and their, yes, their property basically across the street from the LA convention center. Um, but, but, but they, they Phil Spencer, especially had talked a lot about being involved in the ESA, Microsoft on the board. E three is a great thing. I never wanted to go away. What is going on or what is reportedly uh, going on? I think it's I think it's more what is not going on. <laughs> what is not going on? Which is if they don't have buy-in from the the platform holders, I don't know what this thing is going to be. Uh Microsoft it sounds like is still going to be doing stuff at their LA location. I think they've just said recently that like hey, we'll be there at a time that is convenient for <laughs> press and consumers uh in that same space. E3 adjacent. But yeah. But without knowing what shape E3 itself is going to take. I don't know how much that means. I mean, like Xbox aside, if you don't have Nintendo and Sony, what is your video game trade event? Well, it's also... Okay, PAX has Nintendo. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like PAX is a very different focus, you know, obviously that's like prime... Well, sorry to say primarily games that are out. That stopped being true a long time ago. They definitely show... 
unreleased games at PAX, but games that are in more of a final state. Um, but yeah, man, I don't. It's it's a. I think it's even more of a weird one. Well, Microsoft very weird because they have talked. You know, at least Phil Spencer has talked a lot about Microsoft's kind of relationship with E3, and they they liked it. But kind of a 20,000 foot view, Microsoft has soaked up a lot of developers. So Microsoft not being on that floor means a lot of development is not on that floor. Like Bethesda is not on that floor. Like every studio they have soaked up does not have a presence on that floor. So where you might have had other booths showing up. It just means all of that would not be on there. You know, even I'll go as small as to say Double Fine had a showing on the floor. I, you know, that's where I saw Psychonauts mm-hmm. 25 years ago, Psychonauts 2 on the floor. But, you know, it means they wouldn't be on the floor. Um, but I think, Brad, like you mentioned, you went to the Nokia theater, theater and you saw all their stuff there kind of laid yeah. out there. Yeah. They always had like meeting rooms and a whole setup it was- there. I mean, you're still booking the same meetings. Yeah. You're still you're just you're just walking across the street to go there. Like that was not a big deal, but like, well, I think I don't know. On a technical level, is it a big deal because you didn't need to buy an E3 pass to get in there? It's like it was a um, separate it was a separate thing. I, I I think they actually were using that as like kind of a a soft like means of entry. Oh, like if were. you have if, one, if I if I, I want to say they were kind of treating the show badge as sort of your pass in there. Mm. I mean, a lot of the stuff they're doing there was by appointment only. Um, but there was there was absolutely like kind of a weird blending with the show itself that they were doing. Um, Cousins, yeah, EA, and, EA know, had been completely outside though, right? Yeah, they, they for a while, like they moved. Yeah, EA Play started off the off the show floor, like away from all that stuff. Like, God, I don't even like years ago. Yeah. And I think they, did they even do an EA play like the, the full stage show, the last physical E3. I can't I remember. I think they didn't. I, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's all a blur at this point. Um, but I mean, you know, like it makes sense for Microsoft to be doing this stuff with the same timing. Cause they're kind of hedging their bets as to whether E3 becomes a thing again or not, but without mm-hmm. Sony and Nintendo, like, I don't know. What but that's is the that thing, thing is that, and again, this is pure speculation on my part, but I feel like if this show was shaping up in a way that any of these platform holders could feel confident about, Microsoft would be there with bells on because they are the ones that have been stumping for the E3 should exist. We think it's an important thing. You know, Phil Spencer has, that's kind of been his line all along. And if they're not even getting buy-in from him and them, to not if not necessarily be on the show for, but at the very least, like have a more significant, notable presence at this show. Then what is like? Art. It sounds to me like they are not making a compelling pitch for this show. It's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like they, they they've been out there basically saying like, hey, it's been taking a long time to you know formulate plans for what the new E three is going to be. The, I mean, the key thing was they were like, we didn't put contracts in front of any potential exhibitors until this month, hmm. kind of thing. Um but the reporting from IGN sounds pretty definitive of those companies are not interested. So I don't think I don't th- the way they're portraying it. It's not some situation of like, Oh, the ink just hasn't dry. Like they haven't formalized the agreements yet. It'll happen. Right. It sounds more like they have no plans it, to take part. It's a weird thing. It's, I feel like the headline Microsoft, not at E3 is th- when is a bigger shock than the reality where Microsoft will be next door to E3 in a similar capacity to E3, just in the building they own at E3 and not in the building they don't own at E3. But again, I think it comes down to 
if you go to LA and that in the convention center during the time of E3, can you go from the convention center into Microsoft showing at E3 painlessly? Will it will it just be a technicality that they're not inside the Staples? Is it still the Staples Center or is it like some crypto? Is it the crypto building? Uh, that different different building. The Staples Center is separate from. The Nokia Theater is its own thing. It's the Nokia Theater and is LA Live, is that the name of? At LA Live. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. LA Live is that whole big shopping center thing, right? It's a it's a giant mass of properties. But in, is, in, is E3 not in the Staples Center? No. Oh, where no. is E3? Staples Center is an arena. E3 is the LA Convention Center. Oh, it's, oh, it's, but it, oh, oh, sorry. I'm getting them confused. So what is the Staples Center? That's where the basketball games are. Yes. Okay. Staples Center, the Staples Center is just the thing that fucked up our getting out of the convention center <laughs> okay. the years that the playoffs were in there. Yes, when the hockey playoffs were there. And basketball. Right. Ho- yes. Hockey and basketball? Did this sports happen at the same time? I don't if we time? ever hit a hockey playoff. I thought the Kings were No, we did. Something. There was yeah. one where the Kings were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. I remember did that. We? I it was okay. the one where someone yeah. was following me into a store and was like yelling at me after that. It was like a re- very rowdy. Those hockey fans are very rowdy. It was, huh. I think it was basketball was the year where it was like if Don't you were leave. still in the convention center the after, yes. after closing, they yeah. were like, you can't leave right now. Yes. You have to stay in here. Yes. yes, that was that was the Lakers. That's when we were at that uh, uh, that little house we rented, right? Uh, yes. Uh, either way. Sorry. So the uh, uh, convention center. Yes. Um, right. If they're not in there. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you know. Listen, that's hard. That's hard. I'm not yeah. I, I'm not saying that like oh. I shed a tear for read pop, but like. No, God, no. That's got to I mean, be a tough one to try and wrangle. I mean, it's like an, an incredibly tough nut to crack for sure. To like, I sure as fuck, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough money to be the one to try to decide what is E3 going to be that will make it successful. But then the question um, I have is, okay, if it's, if it's that tough a nut to crack, was the right move to come out there and say, we're doing it this year? I'm yeah, money. You know they got to start know, yeah. from a, a show of strength, right? Like they've got to, if they're not confident they're about not. their own show... It's definitely doesn't, thing. This doesn't help. Uh, You're right. This doesn't help. This does not look strong at all. It looks like the opposite of strong. But maybe we're in, maybe we and our, uh, probably a majority of our, our audience are not the target here. Maybe it's to go down there and see a bunch of, um, you know, uh, not Microsoft or not care who the publisher is, right? Like we look at it and we're like, oh, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony aren't there. But maybe the people that are going aren't that you know, in as deep as the, our audience and we are of like, they don't care. They just want to go and hang out and see some people play, um, their favorite, go play Tarkov or something, uh, live there. And, you know, that's I, what it was turning into. I basically agree with you, but the fact that they are talking about building this out to have its own, like two days of press days, but like yeah. in addition to the, the public stuff, like yeah. I feel like <laughs> they are in fact trying to cater to that group a little bit and they are, specifically whiffing on the thing that would make media more interested in being there. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, they, everything they've been saying so far makes it sound like they're trying to make it all things to all potential categories. You know, it's like, Hey, we've got, we've, we're serving the business community and press and consumers and like ever, there'll be something for everyone here. Um, I wonder at this point, the audience uh, could definitely write me, fill me in. I'd like to know after they did the, Hey, you can come celebrate E3 the thing you've always wanted to and did those public days. I wonder if most of the people just want to see the announcements online at this point. Like, do, do they want to travel out to LA? Do, did the buzz, like the buzz didn't pick up. I feel like enough to be like, it's amazing. It's what everything we dreamed of. 
I feel like E3 was behind this curtain for a lot of people, and they, there was this mystery, and they just wanted to go to E3. And once that curtain was pulled back, the buzz didn't lift it up enough to make it work. I didn't hear enough people say, I heard well, some people be like, this is awesome. I didn't hear enough people say. The problem is they pulled back the curtain after all the stuff people wanted to see had already left. Yeah. I mean, some people definitely enjoyed it. I remember talking to a lot of people on the floor being like, what do you think? They're like, I really like it. And, you know, I there's a lot of waiting online. There was a lot of, you know, uh, this and that. But I don't think people thought they wouldn't be doing that. I just wonder if people are like, I would much rather stay home with my Xbox plugged in because sometimes those demos just come out and I could just play my Xbox and the thing they're talking about might just drop and I'm at home and I could watch all the the Microsoft press conference and Sony's going to have a thing in the summer. And yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing to say that they won't ride the wave of hype and like Sony and Nintendo won't do something some kind of online presentation in that time frame. Although, I mean, like, you know, Jeff Keighley is just licking his chops off of this news, of course, because summer games fest certainly is proceeding. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's uh, just so, going to get, he's going to get all that spill over. So, so maybe, maybe even, even those showcases are not time to E3, but some other time in the summer. Um, I don't know. It just, it seems like a bad omen. If this is actually true, like that, this thing is not necessarily going to come together in the way that it needs to. I bet. I have no idea other than knowing how expensive a lot of that stuff was for exhibitors, but I wonder if just to make the money to rent that place, they couldn't cut deals the way they'd want to with show floor space to say like, Hey, we would just love to have you. We were, we're going to cut you a deal. Um, all the services, the uncorking fees for internet, the water, food, all the rules around what you could bring in. It just always sounded so expensive. Even when we would rent the war room, the stuff, the fees on top of the general space, like, hey, you can't bring outside food in. You have to use this internet provider. All of these things added up to such an exorbitant amount of money that I can see Microsoft being like, it's, we have our own space. It's, it's just not worth it. I can see it. any company yeah. saying that. And, and Sony and Nintendo like, yeah. being like, you know what? This is just not worth the expense. We have too many different ways we can get this info out there. And I bet Reed, Reed would be like, oh, I wish we could just let you come in for free. But like, it's costing us so much to, to rent this thing. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, it also, I mean, you were hearing back three years ago, like right before the pandemic, when E3 was really kind of falling apart, regardless of the pandemic. Like apparently e3 constituted a huge amount of the esa's revenue as well so it's just like straight up they are losing enormous amounts of their expected take if this doesn't happen uh i mean like the esa is a truly demonic organization and i have no i will shed zero tears for them or any of their failures but nonetheless i i feel like read pop basically it feels like maybe they bought a lemon here Maybe, yeah. I mean, again, like they they were saying a lot of the right things. It seemed like their heart was in the right place with this stuff, but who knows what those plans look like behind the scenes. Clearly not enticing enough to get the... I mean, if you don't have the hardware makers, you don't have anything, really. No. I mean, again, they, maybe it's stands with t-shirt guns and people and tournaments and stuff, and, that's, and selling gamer chairs and a, a lot of the peripheral stuff around around games, but... PAX still does a really good job of letting independent developers meet fans and showcase their games there. E3 always felt like the publishers and the top t- and the game console makers being there. I don't know what they're we'll find out what it, personality it winds up taking, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. they're moving forward. It's not like they're canceling it. Or at no. least not yet. Right. Yeah. But like I mean, you know, like just inherently like you can't 
you can't continue to cast yourself as the industry trade event of record if you don't have like multiple of the platform makers in that industry showing up, you know? Yeah. And I bet it's a, I bet it poisons the well a little bit of like, well, if Microsoft's not going, should Sega go? You know, like other, other yeah. publishers being like, I, yeah, we'll see. Again, expensive money. Uh, that we'll find out more as that stuff continues. Switching gears over, well, not really switching gears, but Brad, uh, Sony, we mentioned this before, what's going on with PSVR 2. They seem like they are up um, for pre-order on Sony's sites. You had mentioned also maybe, I had I brought up like, why are they out there in general pre-orders and talked about supply stuff. What is Sony saying out there? Uh, well, they're responding <laughs> to a Bloomberg report that says that they have lowered forecasts for the number of headsets they expect to ship. Uh, by 50% mm -hmm. that they expected to, they were planning to have 2 million headsets ready for the launch quarter, according to this Bloomberg story, that they have lowered that to a million. Also, they seem to, Bloomberg seems to have some information coming out of supply chain, which I think is where a lot of this type of reporting on consumer electronics comes from, mm -hmm. basically saying that they may be reducing orders for component supply. Mm. For, for things like the screens that go in the headset, which would indicate that they are planning to make fewer of them than they had expected. Mm -hmm. uh, Sony, of course, has denied this. Uh, they told GamesIndustry.biz they are, quote, seeing enthusiasm from PlayStation fans for the upcoming launch, which includes more than 30 titles, such as games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we have games. Right. Yes. So, I mean, of course, what else are they going to say? Of course. Uh, of course, they're seeing enthusiasm, but uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Bloomberg certainly felt secure enough in this information to go to press with it. So I'd probably not a surprise. A $550 peripheral that is very cool, but extremely inessential to the core PlayStation experience exactly at a time when people are getting laid off across the board and mm. a recession real or imagined is constantly hanging over everyone's heads. I mean, like it's probably not a shock that ongoing economic factors. We're going to put a damper on demand for this thing. Potentially. I want adoption because I want developers to make stuff for it, but it, everything you just said is spot on. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a rough time. I mean, you know, and whatever, that's not like they could put the brakes on. Well, they could, but I'm you know, investors would be torch and pitchforking. You know, they were committed. They were committed to this release time frame, and then kind of the economy started going to shit. But what are they going to do? Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. still got to put this thing out. But it is a rough time to be launching a very like it's a very expensive luxury accessory on top know, of a very expensive console. Is you know? yeah, yes. Um, and like it seems awesome. Like we keep saying, I haven't used one myself, but it seems like a pretty damn solid VR headset if that's what you're looking for. But that's probably going to be a tough sell for a lot of people that are tightening the belts mm -hmm. as this year continues. Um, uh, so yeah, we'll keep an eye out. Like uh, that is slated to launch end of this month, right? Yeah. I might put a pre-order in on Sony. Yeah. That thing. was part of, part of looking into this stuff confirmed for me that they did. They were using an invite only system when they launched the pre-orders for that thing. Are they available? It, They're it, general now. And it, yeah, okay. and that at some point, at some point, they open it up so you can just go put in a pre-order now. I might go do that. Which certainly also seems like that might reflect some lower than expected demand. I wonder. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That thing, that thing looks awesome. Like just technically, like it looks like a very nice piece of VR hardware. Uh, I also, the added benefit of just getting that original PlayStation VR out of my living room and stored hmm. away yeah. somewhere. It still sits there. It's, it takes up a lot of space. I've still got that breakout box sitting under the TV. It hasn't been hooked up in probably yeah. a year. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to this kind of funny one. I thought this was funny. Brad, you put a story in here about, um, DC universes, movies, games, and whatnot. What are they trying to unify? Brad? It's just, uh, well, it's the same James Gunn stuff we've been talking about for a while of he's becoming the Kevin. Help me out, please. Anybody. Phage. Phage. Is that mm-hmm. how? That's okay. how I've, I've always pronounced it. I feel like every time I ask that question, I get like three answers. Anyway, James Gunn is going to be that figure for DC, mm-hmm. like the mastermind, like, you know, creating one connected, consistent cinematic universe. Um, yes. Which they have tried many times to do and have not gotten there yet. Yes. The the game's headline here is that he is saying that that is going to incorporate the video DC video games into that, you know, one unified universe I mean, going forward. Makes kind of makes sense to me. Which, yeah. Well, but an like, aspect of this does, but the thing they are talking about doing here, I think, is going to be a lot more complicated than they think it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, look at how long, like, stuff like Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad have languished in development, like, the, you know, mm-hmm. timing, that stuff. Like, oh, he, he actually, there, there was a quote I meant to read. Characters are consistent, played by the same actors, and it works in one story. So we're straight and up talking. That's we're, where it gets weird. We're, we're straight up talking, getting, act, you know, likeness and, and VO from film actors for these games and stuff like that. And I don't know what that looks like with video game production timelines being the way they are. Right. Um, I feel like the one thing to remember here, though, is that the definition of gaming is extremely broad these days. Mm-hmm. And that could very easily mean like mobile games that have much shorter development cycles and can come out right alongside movies and that sort of thing. That's true. But I mean, it's not just the, you know, the timetables like it's budgets too. like is is Warner Brothers, in fact, going to be helping if they're external studios like with their voice acting budgets, because you have to pay those actors a lot more probably than you have to pay the average voice actor. Yeah, I think the uh, the bigger concern for me would be hamstringing developers and writers to have to fall along the story arc and story Bible, because I feel like most of the best video game stuff has been parallel to not intersecting with the movie stuff has been sure alongside of it. I mean, really they're only the only portrayal in the DC universe that would have really bummed me out would have been like a, um, Kevin Conroy's Batman being replaced with somebody else uh, and he passed away. So that that's, that's kind of off the table. So I don't know if, I don't know if there's any character that's portrayed in the DC universe in games now that it'd be like, how'd you not get, you know, th- this character? I don't, right. I don't know if I would do the same for any Marvel thing either, like replace Spider-Man all day. I, I'm not really sure if I have an attachment to the voice actor that has you know done those. But Batman would have been a really tough one. If you did a new Batman game and and didn't have Kevin Conroy in there, there I feel like you would have gotten a lot of heat. Yeah, to the point where I'm now wondering if they're going to try feeding his voice into some kind of AI going forward if they do any more of those. Because or you well, use I mean, whoever's granted, the actor. Yeah, granted, in Gotham Knights there is a different Batman actor, but he's also not in a lot of that game. So didn't they say um, they had Kevin Conroy 
in that Suicide Squad yeah, game. Yeah, he's he's in Suicide he's Squad. He's in that. He was, just wasn't in Gotham Knights. That'll, that'll that'll be his final appearance as Batman. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you like? This is gonna be. I don't know who's current Batman. Um, I mean, you're talking movies. Robert, yeah, yeah. Robert Pattinson Robert was Pattinson. the most recent one, but I feel like that's a kind of a revolving door. <laughs> okay. They've also said I think that the the Reeves Batman stuff isn't necessarily intended to be part of the cinematic universe. Interesting. It's kind okay. of its own oh. weird little bottle area. So I'm not. But the thing is, they might change their mind <laughs> on that. But as of now, as far as I know, the Batman that is portrayed in the Batman, yes. is not the Batman that is portrayed in, say, the Ben Affleck Batman, yeah, like Justice stuff. League that's, stuff. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it says the Batman right there. It's totally different. So in this yeah. story you linked, Brad, they talk about DC Elseworlds. Yeah, which I was, is... I, I was going to mention, I guess that's kind of an escape valve <laughs> here. Uh, I, I, I assume that sounds like it's kind of uh, like an equivalent to the Marvel What If stuff. Mm. Is that accurate? I think What If. I'll go with that. Yeah. D- D- DC Elseworlds. It sounds like that is kind of a dumping ground for things that don't fit into. Non-canonical. This, this cinematic universe vision. Uh, and you could easily see games games occupying that space but he I mean, he did say there will be games tied into what they're doing so i mean this is all years in the future yeah because they i mean he he literally like just took the reins right yeah like in the last month or something oh is that it so, i feel like it's been talked about forever it's been i think him being in this position is less than two months ago yeah it's i mean the like what is dc's effort broadly conversation has been going for a very long time but he did this sui- the reboot suicide squad right and it was that yes I, that did well i guess and people were yeah. like just keep yes. going all right yes because hollywood has a very short memory it's like who was the last person to make money they're in charge of everything now <laughs> Fair. Mm-hmm. but i mean like the, the Zack snyder stuff has been super up and down for a fucking like what a decade now or something mm-hmm. yes or close to it so like the what is the state of dc as a as a connected universe thing has been debated heavily let's say for a bit and fill in my my terrible memory what is the is rocksteady making a flash game or was that always rumored no oh, they're doing think, suicide squad oh they're doing, they're suicide, doing suicide squad, yeah. squad. Okay, uh, okay monolith monolith is doing wonder woman monolith is doing wonder woman okay um I had forgotten that Wonder Woman <laughs> game was even in development. Yeah, I mean, I think they basically just showed a logo and that was it. So okay. it kind of has been nothing much to talk about since then. All right. Um, is there a Flash game? I, th- I, think oh. it, my, I think I'm confusing it. Googling for Flash game. Uh-huh. That's not going to help you. Going to be tough. Uh, make sure you uh, get it installed and uh, Macromedia in your other browser. I thought I think it was it was rumored and then they announced the Suicide Squad and that squashed that rumor. That right. Might be right. Or actually, I think that might be true with Wonder Woman. <laughs> okay. It, it may have been rumored there was a Flash game then, and, and then it turned out to be that. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, and also, like, if the Wonder Woman thing has been going for a while, is that the, like, current Gal Gadot incarnation of Wonder Woman, I, which I assume I, is not part of the new James gunn universe. That's the thing, is I think they're recasting a lot of those characters, and right. I don't think they've specified exactly which one's beyond Henry Cavill. Oh, is it not just a, like, we're wiping the entire slate clean? Or they, I think are they, they are, but there are some things that, like, there's the Ezra, uh, was it the Ezra Miller Flash movie that is right. still threatening to come out. Gosh. <laughs> talk, talk about fraught situations. Yeah. Wait, is, uh, gosh, I am so bad with DC stuff. Is Black Adam in the new stuff? Yes. Uh, well, what, what do you mean by, I mean, is, it just came out. The and, gunner, and, and is he in the new DCU? No, 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 no. Okay. No. no. So no. very and explicitly that, not. That, that, oh yeah, that dude, that was a whole thing. I mean, that movie bombed at least by the rock starring vehicle standards. Uh-huh. And I, 
It seemed like The Rock maybe didn't take it super well. Oh. I don't know. Like Pouty? Like Alex probably, I mean, you're probably- The hierarchy of the DC universe was not altered in any meaningful way, (laughs) except to say we're not doing any more of these. Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, there was a whole weird thing there. Like, didn't he put out like kind of a slightly defensive sounding statement about his time- with that movie or something? Yes. Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, he definitely had a lot of investment in that thing, and it clearly did not work out. Yeah. Where did we, anyway. see, where did we see him in the gym? Oh, is that the Game Awards? Summer Games. Or Summer Games? Yeah, that was okay. the, that Summer was, Games. Was the, his energy drink. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. What a thing. So All right, let's move on. on. Let's, okay. That's yeah. enough about cinematic universes. Oh, wait. Uh, what's nope. how does, how, <laughs> Never how does enough. A, how does a Tomb Raider cinematic universe strike you? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. I'm, Speaking of things they've tried a couple of yeah. times and did not quite pan out. <laughs> third time's yeah. a charm, right? Well, this is you know Hollywood Reporter saying that Amazon. So I, I believe it was the TV show that has been known, correct? Yes, though that thing has been. I feel like has been kicking around for a while. I guess Phoebe Waller Bridge is making it. Yes, I the have, flea I bag. Had, uh, f- yes. I had forgotten that was happening, but I think that's been floating around. Anyway, Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Amazon also wants to make a new game and a new feature film in conjunction with that TV show and basically get a whole kind of Tomb Raider cinematic universe going. Mm -hmm. And they describe this as a rights deal. Um, But uh, Games Radar, I mean, is basically just reporting what a podcast called Fellowship of Fans has said, which straight up says that Embracer Group sold the Tomb Raider rights to Amazon as part of this. Interesting. Hollywood Reporter is not reporting that. But it's... Okay. It's, um, that podcast apparently has had a pretty good track record of reporting other leaks about other Amazon properties. But it's so unclear that, if it's movie rights or or the whole kit and caboodle, right? Um, this, this just sounds flatly like the whole property. I don't know. I thought the Games Radar story was like, it's just not... It's just not clear yet what they're talking uh, about well, this says suggests that it, that, it, that Amazon has purchased the rights to the whole Tomb Raider IP yeah like they just straight up own it um, which again who knows but anyway uh-huh. thoughts on I, I just don't yeah. have any is the thing like it's Tomb Ra- the, the, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies were successful but bad the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider movie was barely successful and also not very good. I don't know that I have any real investment in them tr- continuing to try to do things in this this arena. Yeah, I just like I don't I don't think anybody has tried to create like a Marvel style cinematic universe on the strength of a single character, right? No. Like, like Marvel and DC both have, you know, like a freaking almost century of a bajillion characters and stories. Um, so I don't know. Everything, maybe everything doesn't need to be a cinematic universe. I no. If it truly is, and it, again, I think it's not clear exactly what was sold here. Game rights, like what? What is Amazon going to do? Well, with Amazon's that? publishing the next Tomb Raider game is the thing. But like, yeah. but development wise, are they, I guess you just farm it out to someone else. Probably. Well, Embracer was. I mean, they they were. It's it came along with the stuff that Embracer bought from Square right. Enix, right? right? Yes, including Crystal Dynamics. But yeah, they're pitching in on other stuff at this point. It's unclear if they would make another Tomb Raider game or not. They didn't even make the last one, I believe. That was Idos Montreal. That is correct. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I could see, I could see, like, kind of an Indiana Jones esque, like, fun adventure 
mm-hmm. sort of vibe that could generate like continuing stories and stuff. But yeah, um, Tell you, you just got to get away from the games, like just like branch out and do a thing that doesn't have to be super referential to the games. Give her two pistols, have her do a backflip once in a while, but like put a T-Rex in there, but like not too big. Not, and then you want to save the, mm-hmm. like, like a medium Rex. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not run up a side of a pyramid? That's the, and then jump off the top. Yeah, I don't know. I liked I liked that new trilogy of Tomb Raider games, like the second one in particular, but the third one felt like it was kind of running out of steam, so I'm not sure where that franchise goes next. I'm trying to think what what is out there that is like Tomb Raider that's serialized now. I mean, obviously you guys mentioned Indiana Jones is the template of, you know, it's the proto Tomb Raider, but like mm-hmm. is there anybody else doing serialized like treasure hunting um, shenanigans I mean, that's are, fictional? Are you argu- arguably uncharted, but Naughty Dog seems extremely done with Uncharted unless Sony decides to farm that out. And I think that else. movie did well, but I yeah, don't know if it did, did well, well for them to, enough to do another one. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Holland also seemed like he did not really enjoy making that movie. So. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the actual Indiana Jones game is still in the works as well, presumably. Oh, it's machine games, right? Yeah. yeah. And so is that for some reason, Godforsaken new movie, right? Like bringing ancient Indiana Jones back. Yes, there is one more in, in Indiana Jones movie with with Harrison Ford on the way. Yeah, he loves it's Indiana soon. Jones, right? It's like his he favorite does. character. He does. He, he hates Star Wars, but he loves <laughs> Indiana Jones. Uh, but also, I think he's very ready for Indiana Jones to be done, and he's very adamant that absolutely no one can take over for him once that uh, happens. Sure. I mean, they tried that once with Shia LaBeouf, and look how that went. Mm. Yes. Of course, you can't blame him for not wanting to give it another <laughs> try. Uh, all, right. all right. Yeah, let's move on right. to our last let's, thing here. Okay, that Xbox Developer Direct happened, as we said. Mm-hmm. That's where Hi-Fi Rush came from. Um, a few other tidbits out of there that we should mention. Mostly release dates. Yes. Uh, Xbox is putting out games. Ah, uh-huh. they are. It turns out uh, we got dates for specific dates for Minecraft Legends, which is April eighteenth. Not far away. Um, and Redfall, which is May second. Those are weirdly close together. Mm. It's like barely two weeks apart, but, um, Hey, games coming out from Microsoft, from Xbox first party. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I mean, kind of <laughs> technically a Bethesda game and a Mojang game, but you know, um, they bought it. They own it. Yeah. It's true. Uh, also, they, I don't, I don't, had they said this before Forza is coming out this year confirmed. They, they had been in, in like, that was the indication was that was when it would be coming. Okay, so they they are saying pretty explicitly it'll be out this year. Um, they also there's a new Elder Scrolls Online expansion coming in June. Necrom, if you're into that sort of thing, but they showed these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minecraft Legends looks potentially like it could be pretty awesome. Yeah, I am looking forward to seeing how that turns out. It seems to be some kind of like fairly madcap looking action RTS sort of thing. It's got like a 4v4 online mode. Yeah. Uh where you're straight up like building buildings that generate units and it seems like there might be a high level of strategy in there that could be pretty awesome. It also looks kind of ridiculous. Uh but you're straight up like assaulting buildings and trying to like knock down castle walls to get in and building a forward base to try to overwhelm and siege them and stuff like that. It looks, that sounds neat. 
Yeah, it does. I, I got excited after I saw it and was like, oh man, this would be fun to play with the kids and stuff. But I don't think there's any local co-op in this. I think it's all online co-op. So that's a little, I, it worked for grounded. Like it was, if it's Microsoft, you know, letting me play on the PC and a console around that might work out. But, um, yeah, it seems neat. Kids were still like Microsoft or uh, Minecraft. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't think there's any story multiplayer at all reading the description. That was not super clear from all the the presentation was almost entirely about the multiplayer mm. like the PVP. PVP, yeah. I don't I don't know that you can even play any kind of co-op in the story. That might just be single player only from the sound of this. Mm, that would be a bummer too. I want um narrative co-op. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm significantly more interested in Redfall after that presentation. What, what turned you, like, what, what clicked with you? That it's open world, which I don't think they had said prior. Mm. That very much seemed like a what they did say. Like not, I mean, they've shown some gameplay demos, but not a ton about structural stuff. Uh, it very much seemed like a, just like left for dead style, load into a mission and kill vampires and then you're done. Mm-hmm. but it's just straight up a big island. It's like an open island for you to roam around and do stuff on um, from like scripted encounters to just straight up dynamic stuff that just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, like they had Harvey Smith on there talking about it and just made it sound like more arcane than I was expecting. <laughs> like they, he straight up was just like, Hey, this is the biggest environment we've ever built for a game. You can approach these things in multiple ways. Like that's the tagline, right? Right. That's the arcane tagline is like, hey, this is designed so you can play it how you want. Uh, just, the, just the notion that it's big and open and you can like roam around and get into shit, get into vampire shit. Mm-hmm. Are there werewolves? Can you also get into werewolf shit? I don't know if there were actual, I think it's mostly vampires. Werewolf, but yeah. yeah, mostly vampires, I think. Though those vampires, let's be real, they are kind of like the Left for Dead enemies, at least in some of the design choices they seem to have made. <laughs> Uh, it's, it looks neat. Yeah. It looks much neater than I thought prior to this. Yeah. It definitely got walked a little bit away from the, um, you know, four player jump into a map, uh, and kind of on, get to the end of the map with three objectives. Yeah. Right. Like the idea you can just get in there with your friends and just roam around and do stuff. It could be neat. I think I still have a couple more questions in terms of how that works out. If somebody initiates something, do you pull them in and on all of that stuff? So. Um, but that's, Hey, listen, we're going to find out in a couple of months. It's, it's February. Now that game is going to come out. I mean, it's, you don't put a date on it at this point, right? Unless that's going to hit May. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's so. already been delayed multiple times. And then when Starfield is going to do anything, <laughs> who knows? I mean, they, you know, they said Starfield would not be at this event. They had already been saying they were doing a standalone presentation for that sometime soon. Yeah. Maybe we get a release date at that. Ooh, that seems ambitious. Or maybe it's getting delayed again. I don't know. Jedi Survivor just got delayed by, I think, six weeks. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay, six uh, weeks yeah. is not a big delay. No, that's that's a we need a little more polish time delay, not a <laughs> this thing has not come together yet. We need an open-ended, <laughs> I don't know. Small, I, like cap, like lowercase s pro, or lowercase p problems, not uppercase p problems. I, I think I've said this before. I will not be shocked if Starfield becomes a holiday game. 
It seems like it should be is the thing. I mean, it's certainly big enough. It certainly is like the enough of a marquee release that it seems like the thing you hang your hat on as a platform holder at the end of the year. Um, but also just the nature of the delay last year when they couldn't even like say, Hey, it'll be out in March or June. Like, you know, yeah, it, it may have been in enough of a state that they don't know for sure. Is it, or they really need more time. Does it have a, a date date? No, absolutely not. Okay. Like I think they were saying like summer by June. Okay. And the language may have even been like this fiscal year or something. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, once it's already slipped into this calendar year, what is another four or five months so that it becomes a November game again? Yeah. Especially if Microsoft doesn't have anything else lined up for that in that slot. You know, maybe oh, maybe Forza mm-hmm. winds up being in that slot. Cause yeah, it, it, it sounds like be. Forza will be an end-of-year game most likely, but presumably like Perfect Dark and Everwild and whatever the Coalition is doing, you know, like the other kind of heavy hitters in their stable probably are not going to see the light of day this year. If it does wind up being holiday, I could definitely see that date getting announced at e- at their uh, pseudo E3 thing. Yeah. And also, between between the amount of money they spent on Bethesda and the issues with Halo Infinite, I'm sure there is a tremendous amount of pressure to get the next big release from Xbox like all the way right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I wonder if we get resolution tangential i wonder if we get resolution this year on the blizzard activision stuff with microsoft i mean it, it, yeah, i, I mean, can't it, go it, past this year right no it, it has to close by june or they oh it's forfeit the, the deal is i don't know what the term is but they're back to square one i wonder if that thing blows up at this point i don't know I'm so curious I, that, I bet it still happens. You do. You think it goes through? Yeah. I, that's my personal bet. Mm. Yes. If I if I had to place a bet, I would also guess that it can, that it will go through. This will be an interesting year in video games for sure. Uh, always are. We're kicking it off February. Interesting times for video games. We got a lot of games we talked about this week. That's going to do it for the news. Um, we've got an email address. The email address is podcast at nextlander.com. That's podcast at nextlander.com. We're going to uh, uh, skip the emails for this week. We're running a little long here. We had a lot to talk about. Had a lot of video games to talk about. Those video games are... Were. Well, they're still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush, Season, A Letter to the Future, Dead Space, Hitsman, the freelancer mode, for spake for spaken, for spoken, for spaken, for spaken. Uh, GoldenEye, Kingdom Rush, SpongeBob, and Like a Dragon, Ishin. Uh, that's gonna do it for this week's show. Oof, there's a lot of stuff to play, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, not to get ahead of the planorama, but looking at February, you might have some more time to catch up on those games you're playing right now. That, at least a couple of weeks, I think. That's all right by me. It's uh, plenty of stuff to catch up on there. I wonder if Kerbal makes it out in February. I <laughs> I never want to bet on Kerbal. Yeah, probably. I, 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 I passed on putting this in the news, but there was some very loose, and I mean, like, I think looking at eShop, like, website code type loose. Okay. Uh, evidence that they might be about to reopen pre-orders for that Advance Wars remake. Oh, all right. Interesting. So it's, okay. So it's... it's it, Again, who knows, but there's 
some suggestion that might end up coming out in the not so far future. There's always um, Star Wars Grogu Tamagotchi. We'll always have that. It's true. There is always that. <laughs> I want to th- I want to thank everybody for listening and joining us here. Um, we can't do this without you. We can't do this without your support. You can, of course, go over to patreon.com slash nextlander to check out even more nextlander goodies over there. And you can go over there to support us and keep us moving well into the release of Starfield whenever that is. Who knows? Mm-hmm. With your support, we can we can go and be there for Starfield's launch, whether it's 2023 or beyond. Patreon.com slash Nextlander. We've got uh, the Watchcast going on there. We just recorded our episode for Virtuosity. Yeah, we did. Virtuosity. That'll be up next week. We wrapped up, if you were waiting for it, we wrapped up Star Trek, the original season, season one, if you wanted to listen to that in its entirety. Again, the Watchcast is where we watch the movie and then talk about our impressions of the movie. And you can find it over there on the Patreon. And there's also a free feed. It's just a week behind. Uh, but you can catch that where you get sh- catch this, the Watchcast. We've got Never Been a Better Podcast recording next week. I believe that's Dan Reichert and Abby Russell will be joining us. That's the plan to record next week. So that'll be going up at the end of that week. You can go catch previous episodes again over at patreon.com slash nextlander with a bunch of other stuff, including the Ramble cast. But there is one tier and one tier only on the Patreon. One tier only. The silly. Uh, one tier only on the Patreon that gets their names read on this here show, and that's the Mysterious Benefactor tier, and I am going to proudly read those names out this week. Beginning with RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F, James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Brad's Midsize Voodoo Doodoo, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McKinnish, Hashtag Bunny Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R. Kevin Velado, Randy Duex, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. Thanks again to them and thanks to everyone who has supported Next Lander over the year and a half is that safe to say year and a half yeah oh yeah way way past what is time dude it's almost two whoa uh over the last two years couldn't be here without you you can watch our stuff over on our twitch channel you can watch our archives over on the youtube or on the twitch channel i think the twitch one they delete after a while but you can go to youtube twitch and again over on the patreon thanks for listening to the podcast like i said we've had the watch cast up currently we had on Monday, we went in. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm going to go over the recap first and then I'm going to say this thing. 
Uh, Monday, we got into some freelancer mode on Hitman. Uh, Alex and I did. We're going to have our grab bag on Thursday. And then Friday, we're coming in with another Friday fun stream. Alex Navarro, what do you have queued up for Friday? I think we're going to watch some dumb videos that we were we talked about doing during the uh, the old uh, Patron's Choice. Choice. Yeah, you guys really seem to want to watch that, that I, hour-long Leonard Nimoy Y2K survival guide, so we're definitely going to do that. Great. Fantastic. I look forward to at least checking it out. I don't know if we'll make it through the whole thing, but I uh, look, is it riveting? Look, we got to fill a two-hour stream, man. <laughs> That's great. Uh, there's always more Hitman Freelancer. Uh, That's true. The thing I was going to mention was apparently a Breakout 13's part two is released soon. Soon. Like in a week. So keep an eye out for that. I am so curious if you didn't catch our Breakout 13 stream. It's an FMV game. I think we did three With parts. Some panache yeah. is what I would say. Three parts, two parts. Anyway, it, um, it ended on a cliffhanger. Good. No, I'm saying well, our stream was our stream oh, was yeah. three whoa, parts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember. Uh, that was two. Two? Okay. It was fun. Uh, so I look forward to getting into that. That's going to do it for this week's show. Again, thanks, everybody. Welcome to February. Be good out there. Hope you're enjoying some games. I mean, there's always games. But now there's games and games. Now yeah. there's always more games. Or Oh, Kirby is barking. The, the, yeah. The game. He's like, end that podcast and feed me. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Kirby. Kirby wants to see Breakout 13 soon. Kirby, or, the game alarm's going off. It's, it's Kirby's game alarm. Yeah. Maybe next week we'll see it. All right. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Brad. We'll be back next week with more video games. See ya.